0: Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schombler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Today is, um, you know, actually it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter what the date is. Uh, this is a show I'm recording earlier. I'm putting it out later during the week. Um, I'll be gone at football tra- training camp. College Football Training Camp. I'll be gone. Um, this is my... NFL prediction show for 2019 I'm so excited here's how I do it if you don't know um, I go through every single team I predict their record I build an argument for why the record will be what it is um, I go through the entire NFL schedule I'm not on the show by myself alone for to prepare for the show I go through all 256 games and I pick who I think will win every single game I do it twice and then at the end I count up the results and sometimes the results surprise me. There was a team, uh, the Chiefs, for example, surprised me. I thought, wow, I didn't expect them to win their division. Uh, things like that happen a lot. And so I do my very best to try to be fair and honest and give every team a fair shot um, and try to be unbiased when I decide what they uh, look. It's obviously my opinion, but it's what I think their record going to be and uh, an argument why. Um, it is worth noting that, you know, again, later, this will release later in the week. I'm about to leave on break for college football. Um, and so, who knows? Tonight, a player might get injured and destroy one of my predictions. That's how life is. That's how this works. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited, and uh, let's jump into. It. I want to start with. I want to start with the AFC North. Um, I believe the Cleveland Browns are going to go ten and six and win their division. Um, it seems like everyone's talking about Super Bowl expectations for the Cleveland Browns. And um, I, I think we better slow down and just worry about the Browns making the playoffs first before you talk about the Super Bowl. I think it's kind of silly. Uh, but look, I, I love this team so much. I do. I love Baker Mayfield. I love everything about it. I, I'm all in for it. I think it's going to be mo- one of the more fun stories of the fall, which is the Cleveland Browns. And uh, man, I, I love Baker's attitude. He's scary good. He's got potential to be an elite quarterback. And it's hard to ignore all of the talent on the Browns roster. You got two fantastic wide receivers, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. You got, you know, don't forget Antonio Callaway, another wide receiver for the Browns. Uh, Nick Chubb running back, not to mention you're gonna get Kareem Hunt back after an eight-game suspension. There's so much talent, and you can't forget the tight end David Njoku. It's just unbelievable. And that's just the offense. Don't forget on the defensive line, you have Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, Sheldon Richardson. Oh my gosh, talent. Talent, talent, and then on the back end, you have Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams playing corner. There is a lot of really good players on this Browns team. Talent is not an issue for the Cleveland Browns this year. Uh, There are two things that I believe can hold the Cleveland Browns back from making the playoffs if things do not go well. Number one is their offensive line. Almost everybody you hear talk about the Cleveland Browns, myself included, will talk about all their skill players. Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, this guy, that guy. You don't hear a lot of talk about their offensive line because that is the weakness of their team. It's not like a glaring weakness, but if you had to pick one thing, what is the weakest link on this Browns roster? It's their offensive line. And it, you know, if everybody's doing their job, if you know Odell Beckham Jr. is wide open and Nick Chubb's running hard, but the offensive line isn't doing their job, all these ball carriers, all these specialists. Could get very frustrated and it could go ugly very quickly if the offensive line somehow is horrendously terrible. Now, the other more legitimate concern to me is everybody's attitude in the locker room. It sounds silly, but it matters. You know, this is Freddie Kitchen's first time ever being a head coach in the NFL. And you have a ton of personality in this Browns locker room. Again, the Browns are amazing on paper, but this is not. This is not Madden. It's easy on paper to go, wow, look at all that talent. Look at all these guys. But my question is do the Browns have enough emotional maturity to reach their full potential? I know that's not a sexy term. I know that might be annoying for Browns fans. You've heard it a bunch. But, it, you know, I think the Browns are. More than good enough to win their division, I think even make a deep run in the playoffs. They're a really talented football team, but will they get in their own way? A lot of teams are going to try really hard to get in their heads and make them trip up. The Browns are going to play a number of primetime games this year. What that means is games at night, games where instead of a couple hundred thousand people watching or a couple million Everybody, there's only one football game on, and everybody watching football that night is going to be watching the Browns. All eyeballs, everybody eyes on the Browns. It's going to happen a lot to the Browns this year because they're pretty good. And the Browns all offseason have made a bunch of headlines for their personalities. And we know Odell Beckham Jr.'s reputation. He has a reputation around the NFL for being moody. Teams are going to try to taunt him and get in his head. He's kind of like a hand grenade. If you can pull that pin, he's going to explode all over the place. People are going to be yanking, trying to get at that pin, trying to get in Odell Beckham Jr.'s head all the time. That is the new reality of the Cleveland Browns. Trying to get a reaction, trying to set off OBJ. Now, I believe in the Browns. I do. I think they're. Man, I'm one of the people that I I really believe in them. But if there is anything you're going to be concerned about. It's the emotional maturity in the locker room. Again, I think the Browns are going to go 10-6. and 6. They're going to win their division. Uh, I, I'm really excited for them, but that is the one thing that could slow them down this year. Talent's not the problem. Do they get in their own way with their emotional maturity? 10-6, and 6, that's my prediction for the Cleveland Browns. 10-6, and 6, number one, uh, win their division at least in the AFC North. Now the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe, are going to go 9-7. and 7. Um, I think they're going to make it into the playoffs via the wild card. They're going to they're going to make it. Uh, and, and I mean no offense to the Steelers, um, but they do not have an easy schedule. The Patriots, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Chargers, the Colts, the 49ers are more competitive. Not to mention they play the Ravens twice and the Browns twice. And they lost two big playmakers, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. I know they were drama. I know they were head cases, but you also can't, Forget, you can't ignore that talent that left the Pittsburgh Steelers this offseason. Now, Juju Smith-Schuster has been elevated to the number one wide receiver. Um, I think James Connors now, he is, well, he, no, I don't think, he is now the guy running back for the Steelers. And they kept four of their five offensive linemen last year. So four of the five starters from the Steelers offensive line last year were retained with their franchise. That's a good thing. But there is an issue. On one hand, look, the offensive linemen are aging. Everybody's getting older on that Steelers' offensive line. But here's the real problem that sticks out to me on the Steelers' offensive line. I think they're fine. They're they're older, they're still able to play at a high level. But they lost their offensive line coach, Mike Munchek. He's fantastic. He went to the Brown he went to the Broncos in Denver to be the Broncos' offensive line coach. Very weird. Not very often you see a guy. Move laterally for the same position with another franchise. Um, I, I don't know, man. They're all aging. They're still good. But keep your eye on the Steelers' offensive line this year. See what happens with them. Now, Big Ben is 37. Big Ben is 37. Joe Hayden is 30. Again, Marquise Pouncey, 30 years old. Alejandro Villanueva is 30 years old. David DeCastro is 29. These are all offensive linemen. Ramon Foster is 33. Everybody on the Steelers' roster is getting older. You lost your key talent. Everybody's aging. Now, they have young players. I'm not trying to trash the Steelers' elect. They have uh, (laughs) TJ Watt. They have Terrell Edmonds. But let's be honest about what the Steelers are. Frankly, they have not had the discipline in recent years to beat a team like the Patriots down the road. But they've always had the talent. And now the the Steelers don't have the talent either. They don't have the talent they used to have. They're also the same undisciplined Steelers we've seen in years past. Um, I think that the Steelers are going to go 9-7. and seven. They're going to barely squeak into the playoffs, but they will lose the division to the Cleveland Browns. It's, they're just not as talented as they've been in the past, and uh, I think it's going to cost them this year. Now, I believe that the Baltimore Ravens are going to go 7-9 and nine this year and just miss the playoffs. Now, I do want to be very clear. There is no offense in the entire NFL I'm more curious to watch this year than the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know, it was, you know, I think I have an idea what to expect, but I, I really don't know. I keep hearing all these quotes from all kinds of people related to the Ravens. You've never seen anything like this. We're going to do something crazy and weird and interesting. And um, my theory is they're just going to run the ball all the time, over and over and over again. That's their new philosophy with the Ravens. We are going to pound the rock. Last year, the Ravens quarterback, Lamar Jackson, ran the ball all over the place. In fact, in his first seven starts, seven starts alone, just the first seven, he broke the single-season NFL record by a quarterback for most rushing attempts, again, during a single season. I've never seen an offense quite like it. It's interesting. It's intriguing. Um, One notable thing this offseason is that the Ravens promoted Greg Roman to their offensive coordinator position Uh, His background is in the running game. If you go look back to 2017, when Greg Roman was first hired, he was brought in as an advisor uh, to fix the Ravens' running game. He's kind of a genius and a guru when it comes to running schemes and blocking schemes. And to me, the message is very, very clear. By promoting Greg Roman, the Ravens are saying, we are going to run the ball a ton. I don't know what to expect. It's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, Because I don't think we've ever seen an offense that is going to run the ball as heavily and as much with a quarterback as we're going to see this year from the Baltimore Ravens. Now, here's the problem, though. Offense aside, the Baltimore Ravens lost a bunch of defenders. They lost C.J. Mosley, a linebacker who signed a gigantic contract with the Jets. They lost, uh, lost to Darius Smith, who was their sack leader last year. He went to the Packers. And they no longer have Terrell Suggs and Eric Weddle, 2 longtime veteran leaders in the Ravens locker room. Uh, now, one thing you, can, one like kind of positive spin you can put on it is that the Ravens did sign probably one of the best, one of the best if not the best free safety in the entire NFL, Earl Thomas. Um, but I think it's really unfair for people to expect this to be the Ravens defense of old. This is a different Ravens team. They're going to run the ball more than we've ever seen. And they're not the same defense we've seen in the past from them. Now, they are making attempts to improve their offense, right? They brought in Marquise Hollywood-Brown, a first-round draft pick, a wide receiver from Oklahoma. They brought in um, Miles Boykin, a wide receiver from Notre Dame. They have two tight ends I really like, Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. But my opinion on the Ravens this year is that they're going to really struggle if they run into an offense that can put up a bunch of points because they're not going to be able to keep up the same way. If they run into the, like the Browns, for example. Baker Mayfield puts up 45 points, throwing the ball over the place. Their defense isn't the same it once was. They're not as good. And if a team is throwing the ball all over the place, they can't keep up because their offense is predicated around running the ball. Um, I think, again, when the Ravens run into a really high-scoring team, like the Chiefs or the I think the, uh, the Browns or the Saints, they're going to really struggle because their offense won't be able to keep up with a high-scoring passing attack like you'll see from other teams like that. So I think, you know, in my opinion, the Ravens are going to go 7-9 and nine and just miss the playoffs. Now, oh, oh the Bengals. Um, the Bengals make me so sad. I'm predicting that the Bengals are going to go 3-13 and 13 this year. Um, look, I, I am rooting for the Bengals. I like their new head coach, Zach Taylor. I like how he spells his name. He spells it Z-A-C the same way I do. Um, and he's sp- supposed to be really great with quarterbacks. I'm sure he is. But injuries ruined last year for the Bengals in 2018, and it looks like it's already going to ruin this year for the Bengals. Um, injuries are just a problem. for I, I've never seen a team deal with injuries more. Uh, their number one overall pick, Jonah Williams, Torres Labram in OTAs, he's out for the year. His offensive tackle, they were so excited they drafted from Alabama. Done. Their first-round draft pick is out for the year. <laughs> then their top wide receiver, A.J. Green,'s already injured and having problems, missing practices. It's not great. And in the AFC North, in a really tough division with the Browns, the Steelers, the Ravens, you cannot afford to have any kind of problems. You can't have a setback. You just can't afford it. Um, and they're going to be missing a lot of players, it looks like, throughout the year from the Bengals. Now, I really like the Bengals' defensive line. I like Carlos Dunlap. I like Geno Atkins. And there are three names I want you to familiar, uh, familiarize your side of, uh, well, get familiar with if you're a Bengals fan. There are three names I really like. Um, despite I think the I think the Bengals are gonna have a really bad season. I think they're gonna struggle. It's gonna be sad. But there are three names I want you to listen to and hear and pay attention to because I think they'll be fun to follow this year. Number one is John Ross. He's a wide receiver, he's entering his third year in the NFL. And he is he's from my home he he played college football in my home state of Washington. His rookie year he was hurt a bunch, and then last year he was basically In a dark void you never heard from him. He had like one highlight that was amazing in the preseason, that was it. You never saw him from him again. But John Ross is an incredible athlete. He has a he ran a four point two two forty yard dash. He's an explosive athlete. And I believe that Zach Taylor's new offensive scheme is gonna find ways to take advantage of his talents. He's an incredible explosive athlete that's a mismatch for a lot of people. I'm excited to watch how the Bengals use John Ross this year, and if they can get more out of him than he's ever been doing in the past because he's too athletic and too gifted to not become some kind of threat in the NFL. Two other players to watch are both rushing the quarterback. One is Sam Hubbard. He's entering his second year in the NFL. He had six sacks last year as a rookie. He'll be fun to watch. The other name is Carl Lawson. Two years ago, Carl Lawson had eight and a half sacks as a rookie Last year in 2018, he tore his ACL, but watch for Carl Lawson and Sam Hubbard. To become somewhat of a staple with the uh, with the Bengals, can they make an impact off the edge rushing the quarterback? So again, the three playmakers, if you're a Bengals fan, your year might suck. I think it's going to be miserable. I'm really sorry. Uh, but the three things you can look forward to, watch John Ross. Does he get more involved? Is it fun? How does he play? Then watch Sam Hubbard and watch Carl Lawson I'm excited to watch the Bengals. I think their offense is going to be creative. I don't know how much how many games they're going to win. I think they're the worst team in their division, but um, I'm excited to watch their their offense and see how, what kind of creative wrinkles they can come up with. Does Andy Dalton get any better? And those three names are names I'm going to follow for the Bengals this year. That I'm kind of excited. It's a little storyline on the side I can follow uh, that's going to make the Bengals more fun to watch. So um, it's not going to be fun. Like I expect the Bengals to go three and thirteen. It's going to be ugly. I'm sorry. Um, but I think you are gonna have a top two pick next year, and then maybe they can rebuild with that. Um, but injuries—you <laughs> you can't have a bad start in this division in the AFC North. It's just not gonna happen, and they already have. And it, it kind of—I hate to say that your year is ruined—but you're gonna get clobbered by the Steelers and the Ravens and the Browns. So again, uh, in the AFC, I have the Browns going ten and six and winning the division. I predict the Steelers to go nine and seven, get into a wild card spot. The Ravens are gonna go seven and nine. Missed the playoffs, and the Bengals are going to go 3-13. and um, And they're just going to beat each other up quite a bit. All right, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we're going to talk about the AFC South, the Colts, the Texans, all kinds of fun. My name is Zach Schomler, I will be right back. All right, we are back. Let's now move into the AFC South. I believe the Indianapolis Colts are going to go 11-5 and and win their division. Now, in my opinion, the Colts are one of the most complete teams from top to bottom in the entire NFL. But if you're going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts, you got to start with their quarterback, Andrew Luck. And this weird, ambiguous injury he's been having to his lower body, his his calf, ankle area, no one really knows kind of what it is. It's been very well hidden. And you got to make a decision. Do you think this injury is a big deal or not? I have a few thoughts. Number one is that, let's say it is a big deal, and he's going to miss a couple games. I think Andrew Luck has a great backup. Jacoby Brissett, he's a fantastic guy. He played New England for a while. He's a really good backup quarterback. He's more than capable of driving the ship for a little bit in Indianapolis. But I've seen a video of Andrew Luck throwing and running around. I saw that yesterday, before a preseason game, he looks fine. I don't think this is a big deal for Andrew Luck. His mobility might be limited a little bit, but Andrew Luck is not a sprinter. He's a quarterback. He's not asked to run around. He's not asked to To run forty yard dashes, that's not who he is. He can be immobile as a quarterback and still play at a high level. His shoulders fine. He can throw the ball. And as a guy who plays quarterback, I promise, uh, with a hurt ankle, you can still play the quarterback position. Um, so I, I really think this injury is not as big a deal as people realize. Um, I think they want to make sure he's healthy. Of course, they're taking every precaution. But I, the ambiguities, I think, just the way the Colts operate with Andrew Luck, I don't think it's some message of a deeper thing. I think it's Andrew Luck is just. That's how he operates. He doesn't want to make all his injuries super public. Let's now jump into the Colts roster though. The Colts roster is fantastic. Uh, They have two tight ends, Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle that I love. Two wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton. And a new free agent, Devin Funches, who's fantastic. I love their running back, Marlon Mack. And their offensive line, man, for years, the Colts offensive line was absolutely terrible. And that's just not the case anymore. Now they're led by Quinton Nelson, a great guard. I think he was an all-pro guard last year. Their offensive line is just reliable and really talented now. And that's what happens when you draft the way the Colts have done and really invest in your offensive line. I love the way they've built their team. Now, a really good Colts defense last year got even better this offseason. First of all, (laughs) <laughs> they have Darius Leonard, who's an incredible, scary, good linebacker. He was just He's a young guy. He's just so, so talented. But they also added all-pro pass rusher Justin Houston from the Kansas City Chiefs last year. He had nine sacks. And, man, they just have a really good defense, and they doubled down on it. In fact, in the NFL draft, they drafted seven of their ten guys they drafted were all defenders. I- I'm really excited. I think the Colts' defense gets better, and and better and better with every day that the Colts sit and get and just practice. I mean, I, I'm so excited to watch their defense. And uh, they're just a really complete team from top to bottom. Good running game, good passing game, a great quarterback, a good offensive line, a good defense. There are so many reasons to believe in the Colts this year. And the other thing that you can believe in is their head coach. I'm so enthralled with Frank Reich. Uh, they started 1-5 in five last year and went on to make the playoffs. That doesn't happen. And the locker room really rallied around their young head coach last year. They're, they're, I guess not young, he's their newer head coach last year. And uh, it, it was just awesome, man. I really believe in the Colts. I think they're Super Bowl contenders this year. I think Andrew Luck's little injury is not that big a deal. Um, and I, I really think that the Colts are going to win their division and maybe even make a run at the Super Bowl. I really believe in the Colts. again. I think they're going to go 11-5 and five and be first in the AFC South. A very tough division, and I think the Colts are going to dominate it. Now, the AFC South is so competitive. Again, teams are going to beat each other up a ton in the AFC South. Um, now, in my opinion, I believe that the Tennessee Titans are going to go 8-8 eight and eight in the AFC South. Um, Marcus Mariota is the current quarterback for the Tennessee Titans. I, I like him. He's been fine for years. Uh, for the last four years, he's been the starting quarterback in Tennessee. But the problem is he hasn't ever played a full season. He always seems to get hurt every single year. And so what the Tennessee Titans did this year is traded for Ryan Tannehill, the former Dolphins starting quarterback. For the last seven years, Ryan Tannehill was the starting quarterback in Miami. He's now been traded to the Titans, and he will be served as the backup to some degree. I I really like this move because between Marcus Mariota, who's often been hurt, and Ryan Tannehill, who's often been hurt, I guess two halves make a hole. And I think for the first time in a long time, the Tennessee Titans are going to be able to get Good quarterback play for all 16 games throughout the year, whether it's partially Marcus Mariota and partially Ryan Tannehill, that will be, you know, we'll find that out. But at some point I expect Ryan Tannehill's going to play because Marcus Mariota is so dangerous with the way he plays. I was watching a video the other day where he do- he's like, it's preseason and he's diving for two-point conversions. I'm like, man, I just cringe. Marcus Mariota's play style is going to get him injured. And when that inevitably happens, They have Ryan Tannehill ready to go. I think the Titans have two quarterbacks who are able to win to some degree in the NFL. And that's a really, really encouraging thing. Now, I also really like the Titans head coach. I really like Mike Vrabel. um, And I like what they're doing on defense. They just brought in Cameron Wake, a defensive end. They gave him a three-year, $23 million contract. Um, And you know, they also have two solid, expensive, but solid corners, Malcolm Butler and Logan Ryan, So I I really like their defense. I like what they're doing. They have a good roster. They're not as good as the Colts, um, but they have a solid offensive line who is led by left tackle Taylor Lewan, and two good running backs, Deion Lewis and Derrick Henry. So the only thing I think that I really am not a fan of when it comes to the Titans is this this, uh, receiver, Corey Davis. He was once a top 10 pick. He's never really impressed me. I've been waiting for years for him to really pan out, and he just hasn't. Um, but they have some solid players. I like the Titans. The question is, will the Titans have consistent quarterback play? Every year it seems like they have to turn to a backup. And this year when they turn to a backup, they might actually get good quarterback play from Brian Tannehill. So I, I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to stay healthy. I'm skeptical. He never does. Um, but I, here's the other problem. Like I, I like what the Titans have. I think even if they get good quarterback play, they're going to run into really good teams. The AFC, their division is so competitive. And their schedule's really, really tough. They're going to play the Colts twice, the Texans twice. They play the Browns, the Falcons, the Broncos, the Chargers. The Buccaneers aren't awful anymore. They play the Saints, they play the Chiefs. And given that schedule, I think eight and eight is a very realistic prediction for the Tennessee Titans. And uh, that's where I project them out. It's eight and eight, having an okay year, uh, a tough schedule with probably, hopefully, consistent quarterback play. But they're not a complete enough roster to compete with all those really high-level teams that they're going to play this year. And I think they're going to be 8-8 this year. Now, let's talk about the Houston Texans. Um, I see a problem right away with the Houston Texans' schedule. They play a bunch of teams with a lot of depth. They play the Ravens. They play the Colts twice. They play the Titans twice. They play the Broncos, who have a scary good defensive line play the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Falcons, the Chargers, the Saints, a bunch of really, in fact, 11 really tough games that I don't think they can get through. That, that good defensive line for the Broncos is going to cause nightmares and problems for the Houston Texans. Now, I love the Texans quarterback, Deshaun Watson. He, he's great. He, last year, he threw for 4,162 yards, 26 touchdowns, had over a 68% completion percentage, and then he ran for 500 more yards and five touchdowns. But what's impressive about that those statistics is he did that all with a bad offensive line. He got sacked 62 times last year, a league high, which is unacceptable. Now, I give the Texans credit, right? They've made an effort to improve their offensive line. They brought in left tackle Matt Khalil in free agency. They also drafted two offensive linemen in the first round. They drafted Titus Howard from Alabama State, 23rd overall. And they, in the second round, they drafted a guy named Max Sharping. So, I, their offensive line, they're working hard to improve their offensive line. And I like some of their weapons. I like DeAndre Hopkins. I like Will Fuller. I like Kiki Cootie. They have some good weapons on offense. And not only that, but I love the front seven for the Houston Texans J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, Whitney Merc- Merciless. But mm, the reason why I see the Houston Texans missing the playoffs and ending up at seven and nine again. They play so many teams with a bunch of depth. Those 11 games are going to be almost impossible for the Texans to win. Uh, They have a bad secondary. That's their weakness. Their offensive line still has a lot to prove. And all those games the Texans are going to play, man, they they can win a couple of them maybe, but they're not going to be able to survive all those tough games. Again, the Broncos are the scary good D-line. The Colts twice. The Titans twice. Chargers. The Saints. The Falcons. Bang. Over and over and over again. And I don't think the Texans this year have a roster that can sustain the beating they're going to take and the tough schedule that they have. Given that they made the playoffs last year, they have a tougher schedule. And um, I, I think this, the Texans are going to go 7-9 and nine and miss the playoffs. Now, oh, the Jaguars. I so badly want to be wrong about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love their quarterback, Nick Foles. But look, their offensive line is not great. They gave up 54 sacks last year, tied for third worst in the entire NFL last year. And, um, you know, they basically have the same exact offensive line. To some teams, that's a good thing, right? You lose, you're like, oh, we kept all our offensive linemen. But in the Jaguars case, that's a bad thing. And um, I, I don't know that, I, I think you're in for a world of hurt. Now they do have, they're getting, uh, they're going to have Leonard Fournette back full time. He, you know, missed eight games last year, seven with, a, uh, with an injury and one with a suspension Um, And they're also bringing back Mark Easley, a really good wide receiver who tore his ACL early in the preseason last year. But the sad truth is that I don't think Nick Foles is going to be enough to help the Jaguars this year. You know, he's going to give them consistent quarterback play. Maybe we hope that's the thought. But, you know, they lost most of their starters on defense. The problem is, you know, a couple of years ago, the Jaguars defense led their team to the AFC championship game. And at the time, all the Jaguars needed was a quarterback. They were like, we just need a quarterback. We need consistent quarterback play. If we can just get that, we can go deeper into the playoffs. But things have changed. This is not the same team it once was. You know, They lost a bunch. Again, the, here are the guys they lost on defense this offseason. Defensive tackle Malik Jackson is now with the Eagles. They lost to Sean Gibson, a free, a free agent to the Texans in their division. And Telvin Smith... Basically retired out of nowhere. A great linebacker said, hey, I'm done. Um, kind of. It's really unclear what's going on, if he's done forever, if he's maybe taking a hiatus. No one really knows. But Telvin Smith is just gone. So that team two years ago that made it to the ASU Championship game is no longer. It's, n- it's a different defense. They have some good players. They have two good, really good DNs, Kaleas Campbell, uh, Yannick and Goku. Goku a, <laughs> excuse me. Um, and a good corner, Jalen Smith. But man, I this is not the same defense we once saw years ago in Jacksonville. Again, two years two years ago, they needed a quarterback. That was all they needed. Two years ago, if they had Nick Foles, maybe they would have made it. But this is a different Jacksonville Jaguars team. Their offensive line is waning, and the AFC South, the division the Jaguars are in, has gotten so much better in the last couple of years. They're going to be challenged a ton. They're going to play. They got to play the Colts twice, the Texans twice the Titans twice, and they're going to get beat up. And so as much as I love Nick Foles, as much as I would love to be wrong about this, um, I'm predicting the Jaguars to go 5-11, miss the playoffs, have kind of a rough year. Um, because sadly, like I, as much as I love Nick Foles, I don't think he's enough to help the Jaguars make the playoffs this year and help the Jaguars really be competitive in their division because they need more than just a quarterback. Again, a couple of years ago, Nick Foles would have solved the problem, but things have changed since then. And sadly, now Nick Foles is not enough. Again, if you forgot, and the AFC South, the Colts are the best team in my opinion. They're going to go 11-5. And, and then, you know, there's still going to be a bunch of competition between the couple teams, but uh, they're going to beat each other up. Not enough wins to go around. The Titans are going to go 8-8. Eight and eight. The Texans are going to go 7-9. and nine, And the Jaguars are going to go 5-11. and 11. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will talk about the AFC East. All right, we are back. Uh, let's now talk about the AFC East. New England Patriots. Um, the New England Patriots are scary good. And I know that makes people mad, uh, but that's just the reality, man. I think the New England Patriots have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. And, um, you know, I think they're going to go 12-4 and 4 and, you know, first in their division and, and probably be the number one seed in the AFC. And I know that makes a lot of people upset, um, but I just, I look around, first of all, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have been in nine Super Bowls together. They've won six of them. And I don't see any evidence that their dominant run is going to end anytime soon. Everyone talks about they're going to fall off a cliff. I, I just don't see it. Uh, now, first, <laughs> the offense for the Patriots, they have so much talent. It's terrifying and scary for the rest of the league. Um, they have first round pick, Nikhil Harriet, wide receiver. They also have undrafted rookie wide receiver. Jacoby Myers, you know, Nikhil Harry's 6'4". Jacoby Myers is 6'2". That's the thing they've been lacking forever is some size at wide receiver. I guess now they have two really good wide receivers. Not to mention, <laughs> they just got Josh Gordon reinstated. So Josh Gordon is coming back, another really good wide receiver. They also have last year's Super Bowl MVP Julian Edelman. Yeah, by the way, the Patriots just won the Super Bowl and got better. It's terrifying. I, I, as a football fan, a guy just I love the sport it's hard not to appreciate the, oh my, it's just a, the way they've been able to reload over and over again. It's so impressive to me. Um, you know, they also have Sony Michelle, a great running back. And there's a rumor that Rob Gronkowski, the Hall of Fame tight end, he's going to be a Hall of Fame tight end, is going to come back and join the team midseason. I, I, from an offensive standpoint, the Patriots are terrifying. But it's more than just that. You know, their defense lost two important pieces. They lost... Uh, Brian Flores left to be the Dolphins' head coach. He was the defensive play caller last year for the Patriots. And the Patriots lost Trey Flowers, a really good pass rusher who went to the Lions to play for. He he wanted more money, Let's be honest. Um, Now, as remarkable as it seems, and maybe as hard as that might seem to believe, that they could lose those two pieces and get better, it seems like they have. They added Michael Bennett at defensive end uh, through a trade. And they drafted a defensive end, Chase Winovich from Michigan, who is just everybody's raving about. Supposedly, he's fantastic and everybody loves him. So they have great defensive backs, great linebackers. They reloaded on the defensive line. They have Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower at linebacker. Um, and there are four young guys I want to now list. I want you to pay attention to, if you're a Patriots fan and you're going to follow them this year, there are four guys, four names you should pay attention to. One is Derek Rivers. He's a young defensive end. The other two names are Duke Dawson and Jawan Williams, they're both at corner, and Christian Sam at linebacker. I guess these guys are guys who are are Patriots-type of guys that are expected to kind of grow this year and contribute a little bit on the Patriots' defense. Um, I just think, man, it's so scary that the Patriots just won a Super Bowl, and it seems like their roster got better. They added way more offensive weapons. They reloaded on defense. And I I just, man, it's, it's really horrifying for the rest of the league that the Patriots... They just won a Super Bowl, and looks like they're going right back where they came from. They're, looks, I, I my prediction is they're going to go twelve and two or twelve and four. Excuse me, number one in their division and probably be the number one seed in the AFC. And uh, man, that's just uh, as a football fan. I'm not a Patriots fan at all. As a fan of the sport, it's just hard not to have some reverence for what the Patriots. Do year in and year out, they are so so good. How about the New York Jets? Um, they got a new head coach, Adam Gase. He's and. He's now working with second-year quarterback Sam Darnold. To me, the Jets are still a team on the incline. They got better years ahead, and um, I I really think you got to have some patience for them. This is year one of Adam Gase. Now, Sam Darnold is on a rookie contract, and while they're building a team and Sam's on his rookie contract, it allows them a window of opportunity where if Sam can get ready quickly enough and they can build enough talent around him, they would have a chance to go make a run at a Super Bowl kind of the same way that The Philadelphia Eagles did a couple of years ago with Carson Wentz' rookie contract. In fact, the same way that the Rams just did with Jared Goff's rookie contract. Because your quarterback is cheap, you can bring in a lot of talent around him and really support him. And I I think in a couple of years, we could see a move like that from the Jets where they make a deep playoff run as they gear up and bring in more and more talent around Sam Darnold, their quarterback. They have some players I like, by the way. They have you know Chris Herndon at tight end, Marcus May at safety, Robbie Anderson at wide receiver, I'm hoping Robbie Anderson breaks out this year in Adam Gase's offense. Um, Now, they also added three really good players that I think are worth mentioning. They added Kalichi Osamele to the offensive line in a trade with the Raiders. Uh, They added running back Le'Veon Bell through free agency, and they signed linebacker CJ Mosley to the biggest contract a linebacker has ever signed. He's a four-time Pro Bowler. He's a fantastic linebacker. Um, 2019 is a building year for the Jets. They're trying to get better. They're making some changes, making some moves. And if you look, you see a lot of flashes of promise, I think, and you're going to see that throughout the year. We're like, wow, that's a great player. Oh, my gosh, Sam Darnold had a great game. And I don't know that we're going to see it consistently enough for the Jets to make a deep playoff run or even make the playoffs. But eventually down the road, those flashes are going to become consistent and become regular moments for the Jets, I really believe. Um, so this year, I think the Jets are going to go 7-9. and nine. They're not going to make the playoffs but it's going to be a building year that they can build off of and have a lot of hope and a positive year with a lot of upside for the future. So that's the Jets. How about the Buffalo Bills? Uh, The Buffalo Bills really, really impressed me this offseason. They made a lot of moves, and what they did is they didn't add a lot of star players, but they did add a lot of starters, and they got a lot of substance, a lot of bang for their buck. They had a wide receiver, Cole Beasley and John Brown. They had a tight end, Tyler Croft. They added a center named Mitch Morse. They had a tackle, Ty Niseki. Um, And they added a great return man, Andre Roberts, an all-pro return man from the Jets. I just am so impressed with the value that the Bills were able to add in free agency. So again, not a lot of star players, but a lot of substance, a lot of guys that can contribute regularly every down for the Buffalo Bills. They also drafted defensive tackle Ed Oliver uh, from Houston early in the first round. Um, I just, I love what the Bills have added to their team. I, I feel like I can't say it enough. I'm just so impressed with what they did. Um, now <laughs> there's this guy they already had named Zay Jones at wide receiver. Who I'm really excited to watch. Here's the thing. All these moves are great. They really, I love what they did. They added this guy and that guy. They have Tremaine Edmonds, his young linebacker, who's a future star. They have a corner named Tredavious White. I think is also probably a future pro bowler, but all these names I'm listing, all these players are great. But the truth is, this entire season for the Buffalo Bills is about growth for their quarterback, Josh Allen. The city of Buffalo has kind of decided that Josh Allen is their guy. They're committed to him, he's their franchise quarterback. And the truth is that in many ways, Josh Rosen, the quarterback from the Cardinals, had a better year than Josh Allen. You know, if you if remember what happened to Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen had a little better stats than Josh Allen. And then Josh Rosen got traded away. From the Cardinals. They gave up on him already. And so I think it's it's just interesting to me that some franchises and organizations have very little patience, especially compared to what the Bills have. The Bills are like, Josh Allen's our guy. We're here for him. You know, he, he threw 10, or 10 touchdowns and 12 interceptions last year. He was not amazing. And so the point is this Josh Allen really hasn't done enough yet for us to be expecting a lot from the Buffalo Bills. He's okay. But he's still growing. He's still learning. He's still developing into the quarterback he's eventually going to be. And so in my estimation, the Buffalo Bills are going to go 6-10 and 10 because Josh Allen's just not there yet. He's growing. He's learning. He's becoming a better quarterback. But he's still finding his footing in the NFL. And it's not a bad thing. I think that, you know, the fact that the, the Bills are patient with Josh Allen's fantastic. You rarely ever see that in the NFL, especially with rookie quarterbacks. But... You know, it's, it's really important that patience is the word for Josh Allen. He's really, really raw. I watched him in college, made a bunch of mistakes, but he's got a giant arm. And if you can hone that, he's fantastic. But the word for the Buffalo Bills this year is patience. They're going to go 6-10. and 10. They're going to be fine. He's going to make a lot of ugly mistakes. He's going to have some flashes of good at times and bad at times. But in the next couple of years, I'm so excited to watch this rivalry between the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills grow in this division with two young quarterbacks in the same New York area. And I, I am so excited to watch the Buffalo Bills this year. Watch as Josh Allen kind of grows and develops into the quarterback he's eventually going to be. But please, for the love of God, give the guy patience. Don't raise your expectations too high. 6-10 and 10 is a really a good number. It's a benchmark he can hit, and that's exactly what I expect from the Buffalo Bills. Ooh, um... No, I think the Miami Dolphins are going to go five and eleven. The Dolphins are not in great shape. Um, some people say they're tanking. I think that's ridiculous. I don't know if that really happens in the. It doesn't go on in the NFL. Um, but the Dolphins are not super talented. They have a below average offensive line, and that's putting it nicely. Some people believe that their offensive line is probably the worst in the entire NFL. And uh, they're also in the midst of a quarterback battle. You know, they're trying to decide who their quarterback is between. Ryan Fitzpatrick, and second-year quarterback Josh Rosen. Now, uh, new head coach Brian Flores is coming from the New England Patriots. He was with the Patriots for 15 years. He won five Super Bowls. He's an established guy in this league, and he has a five-year contract. So what that tells me is that the Dolphins understand that fixing this franchise is going to take time, and they have patience, and they're willing to do it. Um, and so that kind of says a lot to me. the The Dolphins are in the midst of rebuilding. They're just retooling everything, figuring out their team. And uh, I think the Dolphins need Dolphins fans, especially, need to be patient with their franchise. They're going to go like five and eleven this year. I think that's that's the number I picked. Literally, is five and eleven, and it's okay. They got a young core of good players. Here's the guys I like on their roster right now. They have you know defensive back Mike Fitzpatrick, who's fantastic. They drafted Christian Wilkins, a defensive tackle, in the first round from Clemson. who's a really good leader that I like. They have a good corner, Xavier Howard. Uh, they have Laramie Tunsil, left tackle, I think, is a future pro bowler. But the Dolphins are rebuilding. Please understand that it's going to take time for them to build their franchise where it needs to be. And uh, just lower your expectations. I like their defense. I think it'll be a bright spot. I like their running back, Kenyon Drake. But I, I see the Dolphins finishing around 5-11, and 11, and that's okay. Give them time. They're rebuilding and restructuring their team. Every team other than the Patriots in the AFC East is going through this process right now where they have a young quarterback and they're trying to build their franchise where in the next couple years they can set themselves up to be ready to succeed down the road. All right, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm taking a short break. Actually, first remember, in the AFC East, this is how I see things lining up. I see the Patriots going 12 and 4, winning their division. The Jets are going to go seven and nine, finish probably second. The Bills will go six and ten. And the Dolphins are going to go 5-11. and 11. All right, guys. My name is Zach Schaumer. I'm going to take a short break. Uh, when I return, we will talk about the AFC West. Right, my name is Zach Schaumer. I will be right back. All right. Let's now talk about the AFC West. Um, to me, the Kansas City Chiefs really surprised me. Uh, I ran through my process. And at the end of going through every team and kind of figuring out where their, what their record was, Uh, The Chiefs narrowly beat out the Chargers for the title in the AFC West. Uh, So I think it's going to come down to the final game of the year. In Week 17, the Chargers play the Chiefs. It's going to be like a one-game playoff right at the end of the year. Um, But I have the Kansas City Chiefs going 12-4 and and just by a margin winning the division. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, their quarterback, is incredible. A a lot of people talk about Patrick Mahomes and bring up things like, well, now teams have tape on him, so they're going to stop him. Things are going to change. I don't think people understand that (laughs) no matter what film you have on Patrick Mahomes, his talent level is not something you can strategize to stop. Uh, Some people are just incredible athletes and incredible football players. And you you can say, we're going to take away this throw or that throw, but he might just make an unbelievable throw because his arm is so much better than everybody else's. He can do things other people can't do. And so having film on Patrick Mahomes is great. You can look at some of his tendencies and little things he does, but you're not going to shut down Patrick Mahomes. Just because everyone has a year of film on him. If that was the case, everybody who had his film last year around week eight would have said, oh, let's change Patrick Mahomes. They were unable to. Patrick Mahomes is really, really talented. It's not something that film having over the summer is going to just suddenly shut off Patrick Mahomes' ability to move the football down the field. Um, now, I am really fascinated to see what happens with the the offensive line this year for the Kansas City Chiefs, they just lost center Mitch Morse. They also got rid of expensive outside linebacker, Justin Houston. And they lost safety uh, Eric Berry. Now, they did replace a couple of those guys. They you know, brought in Frank Clark from Seattle through a trade. Um, and they brought in safety Tyron Matthews, cheaper than Eric Berry from the Texans. But they did not replace their center Mitch, uh, Mitch Morse at all. And uh, it's really, really interesting. Now, they do have a top three tight end in all of football, Travis Kelsey. Uh, And they also brought in a new defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, Um, a guy I like. He runs. He's changing their system from a 3-4 to a 4-3. What that means is that they're going to have, instead of using outside linebackers to rush a quarterback, they're going to have two down linemen and stances, a more traditional defensive and a guy like Frank Clark, for example, going after the quarterback. Um, Now, the corners and linebackers for... The Kansas City Chiefs are questionable. Right? The Chiefs are going to have to score a lot of points. I'm not a big believer in their defense yet, um, but I think Patrick Mahomes will make up for any questions they have on defense, and the Chiefs will go 12-4. and They're going to be a top-two seed in the AFC along with the Patriots, and they're going to win the AFC West. Now the Chargers. Um, the Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn does not get enough credit. Um, very quietly, he's led the Chargers to two fantastic years in a row, and uh, he just doesn't, no one talks about Anthony Lynn. We always talk about Kyle Shanahan and this coach and that coach and, uh, you know, the guy in uh, uh, Sean McVay, and all that. but no one ever talks about how great of a head coach Anthony Lynn is turning out to be in, in LA with the Chargers. Um, now, statistically, Phillip Rivers was fantastic last year in 2018 He had 4,308 yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a 68% completion percentage. In my opinion, it's time for the Chargers to make a deep playoff push for a Super Bowl. Their defense is scary good. Their defensive line is great. They have Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Uh, they did also pick up a, a defensive tackle in the NFL draft in the first round called Jerry Tillery. Uh, they have Derwin James at safety. And they have two good wide receivers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. I just, man, I, I think it's really easy to forget that the roster last year for the Chargers is the exact same roster that went 12-4. and 4 and they got overshadowed because the Chiefs were fantastic, but the the Chargers were no slouch last year, and so for some reason get totally overlooked. Um, now I predict that this year in 2019 the Chargers are going to go 11 and five. They're going to make a wild card spot, but they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make a bunch of noise, and if they can make it into the playoffs, they have a legitimate shot of making a deep playoff run, especially if they can get their running back Melvin Gordon back. Um, I, I'm just so intrigued with. The Chargers, no one seems to really appreciate them or give them the respect they deserve. And they're a really, really good football team. Now, the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos, in my opinion, are going to go 9-7. and seven. Um, I love d- the direction that the Broncos are headed in. Uh, their new head coach, Vic Fangio, is a former Bears defensive coordinator last year. And um, he's exactly what the Broncos need. I just think he's a great fit for their franchise. They have a really talented defensive line. They have Von Miller on one side of the defensive line, Bradley Chubb on the other. And, uh, you know, Vic Fangio is going to find a way to use those two defensive linemen and get the most out of them. The other thing I really, really like about the Broncos this year is their quarterback situation. Uh, They had Joe Flacco was 34 years old and they have a young rookie quarterback, Drew Locke from Missouri, a second round pick. And, um, you know, there's just no hurry. They really are doing things the right way with their young quarterback. Joe Flacco is a former Super Bowl MVP. Admittedly, he's not been the same since he won that MVP. But because of Joe Flacco, there's no hurry, no rush for Drew Locke. He can take his time. He can sit, he can learn. And I think Joe Flacco is no slouch. He gives the Broncos their best chance to win right now. Um, I'm, I'm really ecstatic with the way they're handling that young quarterback situation. Now, the thing I really also enjoy about the Broncos is that their offensive coordinator is a guy named Rich Gangarello who's worked with Kyle Shanahan before as the quarterback coach in the 49ers organization. He's a great coach. I've heard a lot of good things about him, and uh, I think he's going to do a lot of good for the Broncos offense in general. Now, one thing you got to pay attention to if you're going to talk about the Broncos is that in the first round of the NFL draft, they picked up Noah Fant, a tight end from Iowa, the 20th overall pick. I think a gigantic steal. Both the tight ends from Iowa are fantastic and I think he's going to make a big impact next year for their team. Um, another thing they did is they brought over Mike Munchak, the offensive line coach from the Steelers. You never really see that. It's rare to see a lateral move happen where a coach will leave one team for the exact same position with another team. I don't know if something went wrong for the Steelers, but it, clearly Mike Munchak really wanted to be in Denver with the Broncos. That bodes well not just for the culture, but for their offensive line in general because he's a really fantastic Offensive line coach. Um, I just I love what the Broncos are doing. Every every facet of it. Their their coach is a brilliant defensive mind. They have a lot of talent on the offense. Cortland Sutton's a exciting rookie last year. He's going to probably have a better breakout year this year. Emmanuel Sanders, a receiver, will be back from an Achilles injury, um, and they have a good running back, Phillip Lindsay. I, I just really like what they're doing all around the ball. Um, they're building. I think they're going to go nine and seven this year. Nine and seven is a good number for the Broncos. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're going to have a lot of hope and they're building towards the future. Um, you know, They have some tough games. They play the Broncos, the Colts, the Packers. But I do think that you know the game I'm really excited to watch this year with the Broncos is the Browns and the Broncos. I believe the Broncos are going to put a bunch of pressure on Baker Mayfield, the Browns quarterback. And that's going to be really, really intriguing to watch as a football fan. Again, I think the Broncos are going to go 9-7. and seven. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they're going to have a hopeful year and do a lot of good stuff. Okay, the Raiders. Um, what do you say about the Raiders? The Raiders are building for the future. Um, they're really not in a position to make a deep playoff run. I think they're going to go five and eleven. And uh, it's hard, you know. All the other teams in their division are just so much better than them. You know, the Raiders have some good players, some good reasons to be excited, but they don't have a complete, fully built-out roster yet. Uh, they did add. a, a multiple starters through the NFL draft. They had three first round draft picks. They brought in Cleveland Farrell, a, a defensive end from Clemson, with the number four overall pick. They brought in a running back from Alabama, Josh Jacobs with the number 24 overall pick. And when the 27th overall pick, they brought in Jonathan Abram, a safety from Mississippi state. Again, three home runs in my opinion, in the NFL draft. And um, then they traded for Antonio Brown, who is, you know, I think the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, I kind of a headache. He's been a lot of drama this off season already with the Raiders, but you know, even as much as he is a diva, he's really going to help the Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr. I can't wait to watch that. Um, now Derek Carr is, you know, there's this narrative that Derek Carr might not be the quarterback of the future for the Oakland Raiders. I think that's silly. I guess the, the soon to be the Vegas Raiders, um, Last year, he was sacked 51 times, which is just, it's unbelievable. That's so many sacks and really, really terrible. It's an example and a reflection on their bad offensive line. Um, Now, at the time, there were moments where Derek Carr just looked skittish. He was avoiding pressure. He was ducking away. There was a moment where he was sitting in the pocket, totally safe, and he just threw the ball away into the the stands. Um, It's like he was afraid of pressure that wasn't really there, and so... The Raiders made a move this offseason. They, they brought in Trent Brown from the Patriots, a left tackle who won the Super Bowl with the Patriots last year. And um, they're also going to have Colton Miller, the other side tackle, who's a he's a rookie last year. He's going to be a little bit older. He's going to be healthier. He hurt his knee last year. And I just think that you you got to give Derek Carr the benefit of the doubt. He's a great quarterback. He's played good in the past. He's got a good coach. He just had a really bad offensive line for that one you know year or two. And it's just that really can hurt your confidence, but I think he's getting back. He's got a good coach helping him and he put up good numbers. In spite of a bad offensive line last year, Derek Carr put up really good numbers, 4,049 yards passing a 68% completion percentage. Um So I just, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose your patience quite so soon with Derek Carr. Um I think the Raiders are going to go five and 11. I'm excited to watch them, Um but you know, if they can just get it, they're going to, they have a lot of potential but they got to get through this period of time. They got to get moved into Vegas. You know, John Gruden has like a 10-year contract. They're not in a position to win right now or make a deep playoff run, but they're building towards it. And that's what I see with the Raiders right now is they they have no chance to win a Super Bowl and that's okay. If you expect that you're kind of mistaken with the Raiders. But 5 and 11 is probably a very low estimation of them. They could really surprise a lot of people and win a couple more games because they have a lot of talent. They brought in a lot of new starters. And uh, Antonio Brown is a gigantic playmaker that could do a lot of big stuff for the Raiders down the road. Um, so again, the AFC West is this is how I see it shape, uh, shaping out? I see the Chiefs going 12 and four, winning the division. The Chargers are going to go 11 and five and make the playoffs with the wild card berth. The Raider, the Broncos, a goal nine and five and miss the playoffs. And the Raiders are going to go five and 11. Um, a conservative guess um, and estimation when I was looking through it, but that's hey, when I did the numbers and looked at their schedule. I saw five wins on the board. Um, there's one more thing before I go to break. I, man, I, it's really weird. I'm, I'm home. My family's home, and I know they can hear me. I never record a podcast like this. It's so bizarre. Um, I'm talking way too fast, probably, and just kind of nervous. I, I just, it's weird for me. Um, and They don't care. It's, I don't understand. I want to talk about my brother, though. Um, every single episode on the show, um, I talk about the way that three years ago, my younger brother died. Uh, three years ago, in 2016, my younger brother committed suicide and took his life. And it was really, really terrible. The worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And uh, what I learned in that situation where there were two failures that I wish I could go back and change and fix. Uh, one of them was on me. I didn't do a good enough job making sure my brother knew that he was loved and supported. And so I encourage anyone out there, if you're listening, make sure the people in your life know how much you love them and how much you care about them. Tell them you're there for them. If they're having a hard time, say, hey, man. I'm there for you. If you're struggling, you need help, reach out to me. I'll be there for you. I didn't do a good enough job telling my brother I was there for him in times of need. And uh, he never did ask out for help. And that's the other failure is, you know, my brother suffered in silence and never asked for help. He never talked to anybody. And it's really, really sad. So don't do what my brother did. If you're having a hard time, please go get help. Uh, the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. And um, I, I just, I encourage you, if you're really having a hard time, reach out to someone and go get help. Please go seek professional help. All right, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll get into the NFC. We'll talk about the NFC West and the LA Rams. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, let's talk about the LA Rams. I believe the LA Rams are going to go 12 and 4. Uh, they're going to win their division, and I think they have a chance to go back to the Super Bowl. They just lost the Super Bowl, and usually when that happens, people give up on a team and say they're going to have a Super Bowl hangover, and they're going to really struggle. I I don't think that's the case for the Rams this year. I think they're a really good team that has a chance to be uh, back in the Super Bowl and at least you know a number two seed, number one seed, and the NFC going into the playoffs. Um, they're getting Cooper cut back from an injury. Now, the real question mark for me, if you're a Raiders fan, is what is going on with their running back, Todd Gurley? Uh, The Rams gave him a huge contract last year, and he kind of fell off a cliff in the playoffs. He just disappeared. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he's hurt. I don't know what went on. Um, But what you got to understand about the Rams is that there are stars all, all over the place. Uh, They have a star head coach, (laughs) Sean McVay. They have a star quarterback, Jared Goff. Probably the best football player in the entire NFL, Aaron Donald. Uh, corners Marcus Peters, to Tlaib, just guys all over the place that are fantastic football players. And, um, you know, I, I, the other thing about Marcus Peters and Akib Tlaib you got to pay attention to is that at the corner position, they have one year left on their contract. This is their final year. So they have a gigantic motivating factor pushing them to play the very best they can to try to earn big money contracts coming up. Um, I'm really excited to watch the Rams um and i think they're you know they're gonna go 12 and 4 they're gonna win the nfc west and have a chance to go back to another super bowl um i I don't know that they will i think the saints are gonna probably edge them out for that but they're they're right there and gonna be really fantastic uh a name to watch if you like this um there's a guy named samson ibukam who played for the rams um i played with them in high school he's a a guy i grew up with and uh he then went to my favorite college eastern washington and played football He's a great dude. I'm rooting for him. If you see a guy named Samson you become, uh just give him a little cheer. He's a great guy. Follow him on Instagram. And uh, he's a really, you know, I, I just, I, he's my favorite player for the Rams because I grew up with him. I knew him in high school. And uh, he's just, it's just a cool little story. I want to share that. So the Rams, I think the Rams are going 12 and four and have a chance to go back to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to go eight and eight. Um, the quarterback, Russell Wilson, got a ton of money and it really cost him. Um, You know, they got rid of Frank Clark, a really good defensive end, because they just couldn't afford to re-sign him. Uh, They didn't want to pay him the money they owed him, and they said, you know, we got Russell Wilson, we're paying Russell Wilson a ton of money. Um, What's interesting about the Seahawks is the way that their offense is built around running the football. You know, at times last year, they brought in even a sixth offensive lineman, an extra offensive lineman to help run the ball and bring extra pressure, uh, bring extra bodies into the box and move the pile. Um, And the two running backs they're going to use the most are Rashad Penny and Chris Carson. Tyler Lockett's their number one wide receiver. Doug Baldwin's also in the mix. But what I'm really excited to watch with the Seattle Seahawks is the way they use their second round draft pick, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf was kind of a sensation around the NFL draft. Um, You know, he's six foot three, ran a 4'3", 340 time. And he's a great deep threat. In college, he was used a lot. And I believe the Seahawks are going to use him in play action and throw the ball deep to him often and just make the guy stretch and run the field. And, and chuck the ball deep to him. I'm really excited to watch that this year. Um, they do have two great linebackers, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. They kind of elevate everybody around them. But the defensive backs and defensive line are the real question marks for the Seattle Seahawks. Is one reason why I think they're going to they're going to go eight and eight. Um, they're they're just not the same team they need to be. Uh, they they have a lot of weaknesses. They're going to play a lot of teams that are better than them. Um, in spite of a couple of good players, uh, a couple of good players isn't really how you make a deep playoff run or make it do a great job in the NFL. I think the Seahawks are going to go eight and eight. They play the Steelers, the Saints, the Browns, the Falcons, the Eagles, the Vikings, not to mention the Rams twice. Um, there's a lot of teams on their schedule that are better than them from top to bottom, and I think it's going to cost the Seahawks a lot. You know, paying Russell Wilson, they had a great quarterback, but at what cost? And um, I think eight and eight will be the result this year for the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, uh the San Francisco 49ers. There's a lot of nice stuff I can say about the 49ers. Um I like their running backs, Tevin Coleman, Jared McKinnon, Matt Brietta. Uh, they have some good receivers, Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor. They drafted a guy named Debo Samuels, another guy named Jalen Hurd is good. And on paper, the 49ers' offensive line is fantastic. You know, they got Joe Staley, Weston Richburg at center. Uh, you know, they got Mike McGlinchy at the tackle. I like, you know. Richard Sherman's still a stud. There's all kinds of reasons to like him. In fact, I think I'd love to go on about their defensive line. Nick Bosa is a really good defensive lineman they just brought in. Uh, they brought in D Ford. Not to mention they have a 2017 number three overall pick, Solomon Thomas, a defensive end who's I guess been I, I would imagine angry got replaced, and everyone says he's eager to prove himself and working really hard. Um, there's a lot of things to be excited to watch. If you're a 49ers fan, Quan Alexander and uh, Fred Warner are great linebackers, but I'll be honest. Uh, of all the, I just I just listed way too much information about things that are are fun to are, are going to be enjoyable to watch about the Forty Nineers. Um, but I'm not a big believer in their quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. I I, I just don't buy it. Um, he played in three games last year. He did not impress me. It was not fantastic, and uh, he's been paid a ton of money, but hasn't actually done anything yet. And so you know, I think the 49ers play a really tough schedule. They play the Saints, the Browns, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Seahawks, and the Rams twice. Not to mention the Packers, the Falcons, and the Buccaneers, who are a solid team. And I'm just not sure that Jimmy Garoppolo is up for the task and and really going to be the playmaker that the 49ers need. I, I just did not see a high level, consistent level of quarterback play in those three games. I know it's only three games, but he was not attentive to detail. He was not doing a great job. I was not impressed at all with him. And, um, I think, you know, there are so many good teams right now in the NFL and the 49ers are going to suffer because of it. They're just not, you know, they're on the upswing. Maybe if Jimmy Garoppolo can improve and they can keep building their roster, but they're going to play a lot of really good teams this year. And I think as a result, the 49ers are going to go six and 10 and are just in a position where they're trying to build for the future. Cause this year, Uh, In my opinion, just ain't it, Chief. (laughs) It's not the year of the 49ers. Let's now talk about the Cardinals' offensive line. Uh, The Cardinals' offensive line should be tremendously better this year than they were last year. They had a two new linemen, guard, uh, J.R. Sweezy and right tackle Marcus Gilbert. And you got to understand about last year, basically every single offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals last year got injured. AQ Shipley, their center got hurt. Justin Pugh, their guard. DJ Humphreys, their left tackle. Everybody was injured. They're all now coming back this year off of injuries. And um, what I'm excited to watch is this young quarterback, Kyler Murray, and the coach, Cliff Kingsbury. How do they interact and how they work? They're both going to have growing pains this year. They have a bunch of receivers to throw to, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler. They have a good running back, David Johnson. And they got a really good defensive coordinator. I really like, uh, you know, they brought in, they advanced Vance Joseph, the former Broncos head coach, who's got valuable experience. Despite the fact that he failed as a head coach, he's got some good experience. He got a, they got some key players on defense I like. Uh, Chandler Jones, Ed Rusher, Jordan Hicks, and inside linebacker, Patrick Peterson, who has a six-game suspension, but he's not terrible. They have Terrell Suggs, 37-year-old linebacker, who, you know, still made an impact last year for the Ravens. So there's a chance that all these names I just listed have an opportunity to do some interesting stuff for the Cardinals. But the entire season for the Cardinals revolves around how good is Kyler Murray and how quickly can he be ready to play at a high level in the NFL. I think at some point he's going to be a fantastic quarterback in the NFL. I really like him. I really believe in him. He's not a bum. He's a really good quarterback. But adjusting to the league takes time. So my expectations are really, really low. I think this is a growing year. Full like all kinds of growing pains, both for, you know, Kyler Murray, the quarterback, and the head coach Cliff Kingsbury. So I think the Cardinals are going to go four and twelve this year, um, because I think there's just too many tough opponents the Cardinals are going to play for him to succeed at a high level this year in the NFL. So again, the, in the NFC West, I see the Rams going twelve and four, winning the division. The Seahawks are going to go eight and eight. The 49ers are going to go six and ten, and the Cardinals are going to go four and twelve. Uh, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about the NFC South and uh, have some fun with it. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right back. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. Um, and the New Orleans Saints are a team with so few weaknesses. Uh, I see them going 12-4. They're likely going to be the number one seed in the NFC. They are a fantastic team. Uh, there's really only, you know, one, you know, two things that could stop them. One is injuries. If everybody gets hurt, of course they're not going to succeed. And if suddenly you know Drew Brees maybe gets really old and is just falls off a cliff, I guess that could be the thing that causes the Saints to to struggle. Um, you know Drew Brees is forty years old. I guess you know, that's old for a quarterback. But this team is a really, really good NFL football team. Uh, they were at the NFC Championship last year, and they brought back eighteen of their twenty two starters. And, in fact, the four starters they didn't bring back are you know, guys they didn't bring back because they improved on them. Uh, you know, First of all, they brought in a, a tight end Jared Cook from the Raiders who is just fantastic. Um, and they're just better now. They're a better team almost all around. So imagine a team that almost made it to the Super Bowl last year and their roster got even better. That's what you're dealing with in, with the New Orleans Saints, a team that's out for vengeance. Remember the way they lost in the NFC Championship game last year unfairly on a bad call. Um, I I really think that, you know, (laughs) this year the Saints are going, they're on a mission to get back to the Super Bowl. After two years in a row, losing really crappy fashions in the playoffs. They lost two years ago, the Minneapolis Miracle, they lost last year on a just bad pass interference call. And I really think this is the year the Saints are going back to the Super Bowl and have something to prove. Um, they have a really good defensive line. They have, man, they have Cameron Jordan on one side at defensive end. They also have Marcus Davenport, a second-year defensive lineman they just drafted in the first round of the 2018 NFL Draft. Uh, they have defensive tackle. They had a defensive tackle, Malcolm Brown. So much talent is accumulated on this roster. Um, they also have arguably the best wide receiver in the entire NFL, Michael Thomas, who they signed to a five-year, 100 million dollar, 61 million dollar guaranteed contract. Have a great running back, Alvin Kamara. A good secondary, good linebackers. Um, the Saints' roster is just rich with quality starters. I don't think you're going to play a team all year if you're a team. You know, the Saints have so much depth everywhere. They even have a backup quarterback who comes in the game. Taysom Hill and plays really well. Um, you know, they felt cheated out of the Super Bowl last year. They're on a mission. The Saints are going to go 12 and four at the very least, maybe even better. They're on a mission to go win the NFL, uh, the NFC. And they should absolutely be Super Bowl favorites. They're angry. They're better than they've ever been. And they have loaded roster. They are talented all over the board. And I think the Saints are going to go 12-4, win their division, and uh, probably play for the Super Bowl this year. I'm really excited to watch what happens with the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Falcons. Uh, the Falcons, in my opinion, are going to go 10-6. and six. Uh, They have a chance to challenge the Saints for their division, um, but really, they just aren't as complete a team as the New Orleans Saints are. Um, their defense is full of question marks. They just have a lot of guys who are like ah, I don't. Uh, we we don't really know. You're not proven the same way that people on the Saints are. The linebackers for the Car- the Falcons are not very good. Uh, the, the the defensive backs are not very inspiring, very confidence inspiring. If you're a Falcons fan, um, even though I do, I will acknowledge I like the corner Desmond Trufant, the young corner, uh, with the Falcons. Uh, There's also a question, can the Falcons get pressure on opposing quarterbacks? They have a bunch of guys. I'm going to list, you know, Adrian Claiborne came over from the Patriots. They have, you know, he joins Vic Beasley and a former 2017 first-round pick, uh, Tack McKinley, and defensive tackle Grady Jarrett. But all these names are meaningless if they can't get pressure on the quarterback. They've been trying forever. They've really struggled with it. Um, That's kind of really going to determine how well, the Falcons' defense plays this year. Can they get pressure on the quarterback and alleviate some pressure off of their secondary, who, again, has a bunch of no-name guys and is not super talented? Now, in 2018, the Falcons were decimated by injuries. It was awful. I've never seen a team get destroyed the same way the Falcons did. And in spite of that, their quarterback, Matt Ryan, had a fantastic year. You know, you know 4,924 yards passing, 35 touchdowns, seven interceptions, and a 69.4% completion percentage and nobody noticed it because, again, the Falcons were chock full of injuries. They went seven and nine, but Matt Ryan was just unreal and had quietly an incredible year. Um, you know, and this year for the Falcons, they have a bunch of really good pass catchers: Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu. Uh, they have a tight end, Austin Hooper, who's fantastic. A solid running back, Devontae Freeman. But what's really intriguing to me is both a a problem and a a good thing for the Falcons. Uh, The Falcons had two first-round draft picks this year in the NFL draft, and they used both of them on offensive linemen. The 14th overall pick, they drafted guard, Chris Lindstrom, with the 31st overall pick, they drafted tackle, Caleb McGarry. It's believed that both of them are going to play. And while this is great, right, getting two first-round draft picks, two offensive linemen, building your offensive line for the future is fantastic, having young offensive linemen is also a bit of a liability and could cost them early in the year especially when they play the Broncos, a team like that's good. They're really, I don't, I think I'm pretty sure they play the Broncos this year. I might be totally wrong. Uh, But when they play a team like the Broncos, who has a really good defensive line, they could really struggle because they've got young, inexperienced players all over their offensive line. Uh, Now, they do add to a group, Jake Matthews is a left tackle for the Falcons. They have a really good center, Alex Mack. But the issue, again, is rookie offensive linemen are young. And can get taken to task by old like when they play the Saints. Oh my gosh, I feel bad for Matt Ryan. Cause these young Saint, these young linemen are probably just gonna get blown up. And I, I like the move. They brought in two offensive... So that's what you have to do, right? You have to invest in your future with the offensive line. But playing rookie offensive linemen also has its disadvantages. And I think it's gonna cost the Falcons a little bit. I think they're gonna go ten and six and get a wild card spot, but that's it. They're not gonna they don't have enough depth to make a long playoff run. They're an okay team. They're not great. Uh, but they have a really great quarterback, Matt Ryan, who deserves a lot more respect around the NFL. Oh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am really excited to watch the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. Um, I think they're going to finish with an 8-8 record. Uh, but they're going to give the Falcons a run for their money. The Falcons are going to be followed closely behind by the Buccaneers this year. And it's going to be a race for second place in the NFC South. And they're both going to be, I think, fighting for a wild card spot till late in the year. The Buccaneers quarterback, Jameis Winston, needed help. And that's exactly what he got with new head coach, Bruce Arians. Uh, Bruce Arians has worked with Big Ben Roethlisberger. He's worked with Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning, Carson Palmer. He is a guy who really, really understands the quarterback position. Um, and I think he can help Jameis Winston really improve in Tampa Bay. He also has a bunch of good weapons in Tampa. They have Chris Evans. Uh, Excuse me, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin is another receiver. So Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are separate people. They're both really good wide receivers. They have tight ends Cameron Brait and O.J. Howard, both really high-level targets who could get a lot lot of production in this offense that he runs. And there's a really cool thing I love about Bruce Arians is that both of his coordinators are guys who used to play for him. The offensive coordinator is a guy named Byron Leftwich, who for a long time Played quarterback in the NFL. I played with him on Madden. I had a trading card when I was a kid. Uh, he played for Bruce Arians as an NFL quarterback. And then the defensive coordinator on the other side of the ball, Todd Bowles, by the way, a former Jets head coach, a guy I like who's got valuable experience in the NFL, played for Bruce Arians in college at the University of Temple or Temple University. And, uh, you know, I, I just really love what's happening. I really love this camaraderie and this, this culture that Bruce Arians has built. He's a great guy. Who I think has a good atmosphere as a coach that I'd want to be a part of. Now, um, I really am excited to watch Vita Vea paired with Indomikansu. Vita Vea is their 2018 first-round draft pick last two years ago. He's, he was a rookie last year. He'll be a second-year player this year. Vita Vea, at defensive tackle, just and they brought in now Su at defensive tackle. Vita Vea and Su are going to be a really fun match to watch on the defensive line. Um, now, here's the problem, right? The Buccaneers have a tough schedule. Their offensive line is subpar, and, and personally, I don't have a lot of confidence in their defensive backs, um, but things are changing in Tampa Bay. They are not the horrible placemat place they once were. They're going to go 8-8, eight and eight, um, and I think that would be progress and a hopeful thing. If you're a Tampa Bay fan, 8-8 eight and eight is not a bad year, especially if Jameis Winston is a bright spot and plays okay. I think that things are looking up for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I'm excited to watch them this year. Now the Panthers. uh, The Panthers are, in my opinion, are going to go six and ten. You know, people are going to get all mad when I say that. Um, One, I'm concerned about their secondary, right? They play in a really good division. They have some of the three best wide receivers in the entire NFL in the NFC South. The Panthers are going to get eaten alive by Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and Mike Evans. Their secondary, their defensive backs are not good enough to compete in the division they play in. And they do have a—I really love their linebacker, Luke Keekley but Luke Keekley by himself is not enough to carry an entire defense. They need people around him, and the people around him aren't good enough in Carolina. But here's the real big problem. I'm concerned about Panthers quarterback, Cam Newton. Now, I will acknowledge. Like, I just saw a video of him throwing around the other day. He looked okay. He wasn't terrible. Um, but you understand Cam Newton is now 30 years old, and he— Plays a playing style at quarterback that involves running around a bunch and getting hit a lot. And this is now the second time this year, this offseason, it's the second time Cam Newton has hurt a throwing shoulder. I, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with the injuries Cam Newton's having in the way he plays football. I, I just I don't think it's sustainable. And I'm worried that he's gonna struggle this year because of his shoulder injury. Um, you know, he had a good, it, I will acknowledge Cam Newton had a good completion percentage last year, the best he's ever had. It skyrocketed to above 67%. But that really good completion percentage didn't actually lead to winning games for the Carolina Panthers. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I, my fear is that age and a a dangerous play style is catching up to Cam Newton. Um, and I think it's really honest. It's likely we're going to see a backup quarterback play for the Panthers this year, whether it's Uh, Kyle Allen or Will Greer, we're going to see. Look, I I like what the Panthers have. They have really good playmakers. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. But, you know, they don't have as many playmakers as the other teams in their division. And I think all the playmakers for the Panthers, they have two. That's great. Everybody else in their division is way better and has way more playmakers. The Saints have better players. The Falcons have better players. The Buccaneers have better high-level players that are going to make bigger plays. And I sadly think that's why the Carolina Panthers are going to be fourth in the NFC South and probably going to go six and ten, and and just kind of be anonymous this year and not a big deal and not not a gigantic uh, polarizing thing. I, I just think the Panthers are going to struggle and be kind of anonymous and kind of boring and um, not make a bunch of noise because no one's going to pay attention to a team that goes six and ten. Some guys. The NFC South, in my opinion, the Saints are going to go twelve and four. The Falcons are going to go 10 and six. The Buccaneers are going to go eight and eight and the Panthers will go six and 10. I'm not going to take a break. I'm going to go straight into the NFC North. I'll be honest. I am. I'm really tired. I move tomorrow morning. I'm exhausted. I hope this, I don't even know if this episode's going well. I hope it, I hope it's enjoyable. Um, I, uh, I, I I'm not enjoying this at all, which is weird. I usually, I love the show and I, I just want to get through it today. And I, I, you know, I've, I'm excited. I got some Ask Zach questions. I'm stressed. I'm really stressed about moving. Um, and I, I wonder if I'll even release this. I might just literally make a video saying, hey, I'm done. I take a break. I, re- I recorded something. It sucked. I, I just I don't even know. If, I have no idea if this is good. If you're listening to this and I did, in fact, record it, please tell me you liked it. Because I, I, it doesn't feel like this is going well at all. Um, I believe the Green Bay Packers are going to win the NFC North. Um, and I'm really excited to watch. This is honest. I'm really excited to watch the Green Bay Packers this year. Um, you know, first of all, the Packers added to their defense. They brought in Preston Smith and Z'Darrius Smith, two outside linebackers and free agency that I'm excited to watch. Uh, and they drafted a defensive end, Rashawn Gary from Michigan, in the first round. Um, the Packers have made it very clear. They want to get after opposing quarterbacks and get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I like that. They've really upgraded their defense. They got rid of HaHa Clinton Dix at safety and replaced him with Adrian Amos, the safety from the Bears. And, you know, Adrian Amos is a far more reliable safety than HaHa Clinton Dix was. Ha Ha Clinton Dix loved to take risks, and that often got him in trouble. Sometimes he'd make a big play, but usually it cost him a touchdown or it got him burned. And so I'm excited to watch the upgrade that the Packers have made on defense. The Packers also just hired a new head coach, Matt LaFleur, and his job is to revamp the offense. Now, I believe Aaron Rodgers is going to excel in this new scheme. And uh, I just, I'm excited to watch what happens. I I really think that, um, you know, they have Devontae Adams, a really good number one target. They have a really solid running back, Aaron Jones. And I'm excited to watch Jimmy Graham, the tight end for the Packers, who in the former offense never really seemed to get matchups I would have done. I think in the new offense, they're going to create creative mismatches with Jimmy Graham and take advantage of his unique size and ability. And as a football fan, I'm just excited. You know, the Packers are. I know the word "exciting" is coming up a lot, but the Packers are one of the few teams this year. I can't wait to watch because you know, think about it: Aaron Rodgers with a highly efficient, effective offensive scheme, a solid running game, and finally a good defense. I think the Packers are going to eleven and five. They're going to win their division, and uh, you know they're going to give the, you know the Saints and the Rams the run for their money. And Aaron Rodgers might just be good enough to beat a team like that, even without as good a roster. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need the best roster, but he has support enough. And you never know, could make a run out of Super Bowl. I'm excited to watch the Packers. Right behind the Packers in the NFC North will be the Chicago Bears. Uh, The Bears are a really complete team. They return all five of their offensive starters on the offensive line. That's unheard of. You never see a team return the entire offensive line. Just impressive, man. They, They have solid offensive weapons all around. Taylor Gabriel... Allen Robinson, a wide receiver. They have a tight end. Trey Burton who's really good. But Tariq Cohen is the player I want to focus on. He's the running back for the uh, the Bears. He is so underrated. Nobody talks about him. We always talk about, you know, all these other players around the league. This guy's explosive. Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey and this and that. No one gives Tariq Cohen love. And I will. He's so, so fantastic. But the Bears did lose their defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, To He went to the... The Broncos to be their uh, their head coach, and uh, this is a big loss. Bongio was a defensive mastermind. You know, I think they called him an evil genius in Chicago. No, I really like the new defensive coordinator who's coming into Chicago. Chuck Pagano. He's a former Colts head coach. He's got valuable experience, and I respect him. He was with the Ravens for a long time with really good defenses then. Um, but I, you know, you can't you can't replace Vic Fangio. He's just it, this is harsh, but it's true. Without Vic Fangio, the defense simply just got worse. They're just not the same defense they were last year. They still have a ton of talent. Khalil Mack's amazing. Uh, they have Kyle Fuller and Eddie Jackson, some big playmakers that are de- play defensive back positions. Um, but the reason why the Bears are number two in their division, despite their great roster, a really complete roster, is Mitchell Trubisky, the Bears quarterback. Uh, when you put the Packers and the Bears head-to-head, I understand the Packers' roster is not as good as the Bears, but Aaron Rodgers, their quarterback, makes up for that roster. And um, you know the Packers have a way better quarterback which just makes a difference. Aaron Rodgers is a far better quarterback head-to-head than Mitchell Trubisky, and that's why I think the Bears are going to come up second in their division. Uh, they're going to go 10-6. and six. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to get a wild-card spot. But the Packers are going to win the division in the NFC North because... They have a better quarterback, and they have a good enough roster where the, the, the Bears have a better roster, but their quarterback is just simply not going to cut it enough to beat a team like Aaron Rodgers with a lot of help. Now, uh, the Detroit Lions are going to go 8-8 eight and eight and have a better record than the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, look, and maybe I'm insane. I understand. Um, I, I could either be too low on the Vikings or way too high on the, the Detroit Lions, But I I really like the direction the Lions are heading in. They have a lot of positive momentum. And, uh, you know, they're entering year two with Matt Patricia. They added Trey Flowers, a defensive end from the Patriots. That's a huge get. And uh, the Lions have two really good corners, Darius Slay and Quandre Diggs. I don't know. I'm really excited. They have two good offensive weapons. There are two tight ends I'm really excited to watch. Uh, They have Jesse James, a tight end from the Steelers. But, the really exciting thing is TJ Hawkinson, the number eight overall pick, a tight end from Iowa. He is going to shock people this year. Matthew Stafford's a really good quarterback and who doesn't get the respect he deserves, in my opinion. And I think he's going to do a lot of great stuff with this new tight end, TJ Hawkinson. It's like when you get a new toy and you're excited to play with it and excited to do cool stuff with it. Uh, like when you get a new pair of shoes, you can't wait to put on your new pair of shoes and show it off. That is exactly what's going to happen with TJ Hawkinson and the Lions offense. He's going to do wonders for their team. And it's going to be awesome. I like the running backs the Lions have. They brought in C.J. Anderson from the Rams, the guy who played a lot in the Super Bowl last year for the Rams. They have Kerryon Johnson, a good running back. Now The Lions don't have as complete a roster as a team like the Bears or even the Packers. But they do have a number of positive players and a lot of positive things going for them. Um, I think they're going to finish 8-8, eight and eight, which normally, I guess, you know, 8-8 eight is not a great year necessarily. But for a Lions fan, I would hope that 8-8, eight and eight is something worth celebrating and you know beating the Vikings and not being fourth in your division uh, and a step in the right direction. I think the Lions are building something. I like the culture they're building. I like Matt Patricia. I think they have the right quarterback in place. Um, and they got a really good defensive end, Trey Flowers. I think the Lions are headed in the right direction. And I'm excited to see if it actually pays off. And it does, in fact, continue to trend that direction. Now, the Vikings. Uh, I think the Vikings are going to go 7 and 9. They're going to be fourth in the NFC North. Um, number one, their offensive line sucks. I just, you know, there's no way to, other way to put it. Um, they made a lot of changes, like, oh, we got rid of this offensive line when we brought in a new guy. But you're just replacing trash with more trash. And I, I don't think it's, I don't see a lot of value there. Um, they have good wide receivers, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs. Uh, they have a really good tight end, Kyle Rudolph. He's good at receiving, but he's terrible at run blocking. And uh, the question I have about the Vikings right now is: Is the running back Dalvin Cook any good? He's entering his third year in the NFL. To this point, he's been hurt a lot, and um, you know he's he did he's had had he has had struggling offensive lines in front of him. But it's time to find out what kind of running back is Dalvin Cook. Is he any good? Is he ready to go? Is he going to succeed? I don't know. Um, and we're going to find out a lot about what kind of running back he is this year. Now, I like Kirk Cousins. But let's be honest about the Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. If the Vikings don't play really great, if their team doesn't play well, he's not good enough to elevate them to win games with a bad roster. Um, and I think what's really going to happen to the Vikings this year is he's going to get a lot of passing yards late in games, and um, you know they're going to lose a game by 20 points, and he's going to rack up a bunch of yards at the end. And that's what happens with that's what Kirk Cousins seems to do in his entire career. That's what he's done. Um, Now, I think a defense has enough pieces to succeed in Minnesota. Uh, They have Daniil Hunter, one of the best young defensive ends in the game. Uh, Lindeval Joseph at nose tackle, Anthony Barr, linebacker. Two talented defensive backs, Xavier Rhodes and Harrison Smith. But they lost their defensive tackle, Sheldon Richardson, to the Browns. And I think that's going to hurt them a lot. Again, the Vikings have enough to succeed, but they are going to struggle. They're not the same defense they once were. And uh, I don't think the Vikings have the horses to make it to the playoffs. They don't have a good enough quarterback. They don't have a good enough roster. They don't have built-up enough roster against a team. Like, when you talk about the uh, the Bears versus the Vikings, yeah, they're, they're, they're not really comparable. The Packers, the Bears, the Lions, uh, the competition is too good for the Vikings and the NFC North. Um, I think the wild card spots are going to be really, really, they're going to be gone before anybody came to chance. You know, the, the, the Vikings have no chance. To get a wild card spot, um, so I think the Vikings are going to go seven and nine, which is not the worst record in football. But even at seven and nine, I think they're going to go be last in their division, fourth in the NFC North, and that's just how things are going to go unless someone gets hurt. You know, unless Aaron Rodgers gets hurt or Nazi Stafford gets hurt, um, I think the Vikings are going to be fourth in their division come the end of next year. Again, in the NFC North, I have the Packers going eleven and five, the Bears going ten and six, the Lions going eight and eight, and the Vikings going seven and nine. I'm gonna take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about the NFC East: the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Redskins, and um, going a couple things. I'm gonna do. I'm I'm just gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. There's a couple things I was gonna break into a different podcast. What I'm gonna do is just gonna end the show after. uh, I'm gonna do one. Do finish my predictions. Do a couple more things, and then just call the show. I'm tired. I start football tomorrow, and uh, I just didn't. I didn't sleep last night. I literally didn't sleep last night because I was working on this, trying to finish it in time and I I don't think it's ready, and I I don't like rushing stuff out, and I I just, none of this feels good to me. I don't like, um, I hate that I'm taking a break. I wish I had more, I wish I had another week to work on shows and get it all ready, and I just, uh, I learned a lesson. I I have never taken a two-month break from Strong Opinion Sports before, and uh, I I can't be doing it the day before I leave. It just isn't uh, an effective way to uh, to make a show, and I just, uh, I'm feeling really overwhelmed and really stressed about moving, and um, I don't know I don't even know if I'll put this out I really don't um, but I'm going to finish recording it just because I'm, I'm an hour and a half in I might as well finish so my name is Zach Schomler. I will be right back all right we are back um, first I want to talk about the Dallas Cowboys I believe the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the NFC East um, I believe they only need to go 10 and 6 to do it too um, the Cowboys are, are they have so much young talent but the problem is they've all got to be paid very, very soon. To me, this is the last year the Cowboys have to make a deep playoff run before they got to split up all their talented young players. Amari Cooper, Jalen Smith, you know, Brian Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. They have all these players, that they, and they can't pay all of them. They'd better go for it now. They're going to go 10-6, and six, in my opinion. They're going to win their division. Um, but the question is, you know, does Ezekiel Elliott come back? How well does Dak Prescott play? Do they make any trades at the trade deadline? If I was the Cowboys, I'd say, look, we have this young group of talented players. We're not going to be able to keep all of them. Let's capitalize on this moment and do everything we can now to go and win a championship. Uh, They're going to go 10-6. and They're going to win their division, and it's going to be really fun to watch. The Eagles and the Cowboys are going to be neck and neck all season. Uh, It's going to be a really close finish to see who wins the division. And in my opinion... There are two big questions the Eagles need to answer if they want to challenge the Cowboys and take the division away from them. One, it's their secondary. They got torched a ton when guys got hurt last year. I would say that you know the, the Eagles' least talented part of their team is their group of defensive backs. But the second question for the Eagles is, can Carson Wentz stay healthy? I like the Eagles' offense. They have two good tight ends, Dallas Godert and Zach Ertz. They have good receivers, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey. Nelson Aguilar, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I like their interior defensive line. Fletcher Cox, one of the best in the NFL. Emily Jackson, the guy they signed from the Jaguars. There's a lot of good players on the Eagles roster. But it's all meaningless if Carson Wentz doesn't stay healthy. He's insanely talented, but talent doesn't mean anything if you're not on the field. Um, I love the backup for the Eagles. I like Josh McCown, but the Eagles would not make the playoffs with Josh McCown as their quarterback. Um, I believe the Eagles are going to go nine and seven, but if Carson Wentz can play at a higher level, man, uh, if he plays to his potential, nine and seven is an, is is a really low number, a really low estimation for the Philadelphia Eagles. I love Carson Wentz. Can he we stay healthy? And what kind of player are we going to get this fall? That's what I want to see from the Eagles. I believe the New York Giants are going to go five and eleven. Uh, the Giants are rebuilding. They have a crappy offensive line. They have crappy receivers. They use seven of their nine draft picks drafting defenders though, and that's what I like to see. Um, you know, they used two in the first round, two first round draft picks. They a Dexter Lawrence, a defensive tackle from Clemson, and DeAndre Baker, a, a corner from Georgia. I really like the direction that the Giants are headed in. Uh, they have a bunch of young defenders. Jabril Peppers, a the guy they got a former first round pick, they uh, brought in from the Browns trade for Odell Beckham Jr. Um, they have Saquon Barkley, a yes, stud. So he's probably the best running back in the entire NFL. But what I really appreciate about the Giants is the way they're handling their quarterback situation. Daniel Jones isn't ready to play, in my opinion, Um, and he shouldn't play until he is ready. And that's why Eli Manning is so incredibly valuable to the Giants. He's a placeholder for the Giants. He can take a bunch of beatings so that Daniel Jones doesn't have to. Daniel Jones can sit and watch and be allowed time to develop. He can learn from Eli Manning's preparation. His demeanor, his approach, everything Elon Manning does. Now, let's acknowledge, DJ uh, Daniel Jones is a far better thrower of the football than Elon Manning. He's got a way better arm. But playing quarterback is about so much more than your arm strength or your ability to throwing the ball. Uh, I think the Giants are going to go 5-11. and It's going to be an ugly rebuilding year. And at some point, Daniel Jones, I'm sure, is going to play. But I hope it's not before he's ready, and I hope that Giants fans understand this year is about investing in the future. This is a year of rebuilding for the Giants. Um, and, you know, the Giants are not in a position to win games, nor should they really try. They should just worry about development this year. This year is about developing your young players and getting better so that next year and the year after that, you can really make a push at the playoffs and have a better team. This year is about developing your young players, not about trying to win games. I really hope that Giants fans understand that and have, can have the patience for that. Um and, 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 by the way, Giants fans, man, you better be grateful. Uh, at least your team isn't as bad as the Redskins. <laughs> uh, the Redskins are a dysfunctional mess. Uh, their left tackle won't show up. Colt McCoy got hurt. Their quarterback, it's weird and sad. Uh, their day one starter at quarterback is Case Keenum. And the offensive line is an ugly mess. Even with Trent Williamson, or Trent Williams there, they'd be an ugly mess, let alone without him. I, I just, man... Even though this is so, this is how bad the Redskins are. How much of a mess they are. Even their running back, Adrian Peterson, who's made over a hundred, nearly a hundred million dollars in the NFL, is somehow broke. There was a story today that released that Adrian Peterson is out of money and owes a bunch of money. And it's like, how do you make a hundred million dollars and you know have nothing? Um, I, I feel sad for him. By the way, it just makes me feel very sad. Um, the Redskins even brought in a former first-round offensive lineman, Eric Flowers, who was so bad the Giants cut him. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, they brought in a troubled but talented linebacker Ruben Foster towards ACL and LCL. He's out for the season. It goes on and on and on. There are so many bad things that have been going on. Now, there are two positives right now in the Redskins organization. They have Dwayne Haskins. They drafted a quarterback who might be the quarterback of the future. And they drafted Montez Sweat, a defensive end from Mississippi State in the first round, who looks like he might be really, really good. Other than that, there's not a lot to celebrate about. Um, I believe the Redskins are going to go 13, uh, 3 and 13, not 13 and 13, 3 and 13. Three wins, 13 losses. They're just a weird mess of a roster. They have a couple expensive players, guys like Landon Collins and Josh Norman, who seem like they just kind of go to waste on a roster that's not going anywhere, losing a bunch of games. Um, you know, what's really sad is that it seemed like last year, I think it was last year, last year before Alex Smith got hurt, the Redskins were like 9 and 2 leading their division. The minute Alex Smith got hurt, they just tanked and fell off a cliff. And it's just really sad, you know. The Redskins, I think, are going to go three and thirteen this year. Um, I hope they don't play Dwayne Haskins before he's ready. Um, and they're probably going to have the number one overall pick next year. The Redskins are that bad; they are terrible. It's really, really sad. All right. Um, so in the NFC East, I have the Cowboys going ten and six, the Eagles going nine and seven, the Giants going five and eleven, and the Redskins going three and thirteen. This, in general, is how I see the playoffs working out. In the AFC, I see the number one seed being the Patriots at twelve and four. The Chiefs, the number two seed, at twelve and four as well. The Colts are the number three seed. They will not get a first round buy. They'll be eleven and five. The Browns will be ten and six. They'll win their division, and in the wild card, you'll have the Chargers at eleven and five, and the Steelers at nine and seven. That's in the AFC. In the NFC, the number one seed will be the Saints at twelve and four. The number two seed will be the Rams, also at twelve and four. They'll get first round buys. The number three seed in the NFC will be the Packers. They'll be they're eleven and five. The Dallas Cowboys will be ten and six. They'll win their division. They will not get a first round by. They'll play Wild Card Weekend, and the two Wild Card teams in the NFC will be the fifth seed overall seed. The Falcons at ten and six, and with the Wild Card, you'll have number six seed the Bears at ten and six as well. Um, I think the Patriots and the Saints are going to play for the Super Bowl. I think the Patriots will win the Super Bowl, and uh, the dark core Super Bowl team I think is interesting is the Green Bay Packers. If they can make it to the playoffs, they can definitely have the Aaron Rodgers is talented enough to upset even a really good team like New Orleans Saints. Um, that's who I would keep your eye on is the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers and how well they play this year. Um, guys, I, I am, I'm dead. I'm so tired. I, I, I didn't sleep. I, I'm really just kind of running on fumes. I have a couple things I want to talk about before I go, and I'm, I'm going to be gone, gone for good. I'm taking a break. Um, I'm just going away. I'm going very far away. I'm going to play football, and uh, I, I'm just I'm, I'm so exhausted. Um, I do want to talk about this. you know it's uh, one I, I want to be very, very clear. I love Baker Mayfield. I really am a big fan of Baker Mayfield. Um, I, I think there's been rumors that I don't or whatever. I, Baker Mayfield's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. He really inspired me to keep playing quarterback uh, when I, I went back to playing college. and I just want that out there before I leave for two months. I love Baker Mayfield. I'm rooting for him this year. Uh, I think he's an awesome quarterback. I love his attitude. I love his moxie and his spirit. Um, I'll say there's a, you know, I have a kind of a conspiracy theory that Rob Gronkowski, and this is a popular theory. He's going to come back and join the New England Patriots. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen at some point. Um, uh, he's working out in Foxborough and I just, as a guy who's played football in the past, it's hard to walk away when you still can't have the ability to, when you watch all your friends playing and you're not, oh man, it just eats you alive. And I'm sure that's what's going to happen to Rob Gronkowski this year. Who knows? Like around Thanksgiving, I think he's going to come back and join the team again and, um, get back to doing his thing I also want to talk about the Andrew Luck injury I do not think it's a big deal um you know it, it just you can play quarterback with a bum ankle it's not a throwing shoulder Andrew Luck's leg is clearly fine I mean, I've seen videos of him running around I don't think Andrew Luck's injury is a big deal I think he's gonna play week one and um they're probably gonna to lose to the Chargers regardless but I wouldn't worry too much about Andrew Luck's injury now briefly before I leave um I want to talk about rookie quarterbacks. You know, there's something I do. I I love making analogies on the show for two reasons. Um, You know, I think it's helpful to people in two ways. One, it's helpful advice you can share with people. And it's also, you know, using analogies helps people understand stories a little better. Um, Graduating from college puts you through something that requires a tremendous amount of patience. I've watched my friends go through it recently where uh, when you graduate from college, You have this piece of paper. You're like, I got a degree. Now I can get a job. And getting your first job after college takes forever. It requires a bunch of patience. You got to just keep trying and trying. And eventually you get a job that sticks, but it takes forever. And it feels hopeless for a long time. And drafting rookie quarterbacks is very similar. You draft a quarterback and teams go, yes, we have our quarterback. Our problems are solved. And they throw the quarterback in too early and it's not ready. And no one has any patience. And you're like, well, what the heck? I drafted a quarterback. Why isn't it ready now? Why can't the quarterback, Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins or Josh Rosen, whatever it is, why can't they be ready to play week one? It's just not how quarterbacks work. Every once in a while you see someone who graduates college and, like, before they graduate, they already have a job lined up. I know a girl who got a job in Boise, like, before she'd even graduated. She already had everything set up and lined up. But that's the exception to the rule. Guys like Matt Ryan are the exception to the rule. It's very rare you see someone who plays week one in the NFL and it's just fantastic. Baker Mayfield even didn't play week one. It wasn't fantastic early on. Um, I, I just think we need to have more patience for young quarterbacks. I I made an analogy last year at this time. If I was growing a beard, I wouldn't expect it day two to be a giant full beard. It takes time to grow a beard. And in fact, when you grow a beard, there's an ugly in-between phase where it's growing and developing where it's, it goes from bare face with nothing on it. And about three weeks, it might get to a full beard, but that three weeks is ugly and gross. And there's like weird peach fuzz on your face and it's not good. And that's what every young rookie quarterback goes through is that ugly growth period. And I just think people need to have more understanding and a little more uh, patience for young quarterbacks and let them have time to develop rather than forcing them into play so early. Uh, I also made a list of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 things uh, I'm excited for this fall. Uh, The number one thing I'm excited for this fall uh, for football season is Pat McAfee Broadcasting. If you don't know, Pat McAfee is going to be doing Thursday Night Football broadcast for ESPN. It's going to be really, really fun. And uh, I, I love him. I love his show. I don't listen to it very often, but I just love his attitude and his effort and his energy. And the way he broadcasts is so nonchalant and so much like a stand-up comedian. And it's exactly what I would want. Uh, it's exactly what I want, I guess, as a as a viewer watching college football. I'm so excited to watch You know, Thursday Night Football. I'm going to watch every game. Simply because I love Pat McAfee and I want to watch what he does. I um, also am really excited this year in college football to watch which quarterbacks emerge as top NFL draft picks. I have no it, Justin Herbert? Is it, does Jake Fromm emerge? Has it become a great draft pick? I have no idea. Uh, and I'm really excited to watch that. I'm also excited to watch the Browns and the Packers. Um, you know, there's this, I, I think the Browns and the Packers are two teams that are so good and have so much potential. And everyone kind of laughs at them like, ah, the Packers, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, the, the Baker Mayfield and Aaron Rodgers were two people that really uh, got a lot of hate this offseason, but I think have tremendous ability and could be really fantastic quarterbacks this year. I'm just excited to watch them, man. I, I think that uh, I want to do a, a film review kind of midway through the year when I come back in November of how, what's Aaron Rodgers doing? What kind of schemes are they running? What's going on with them? I'm so excited. And, and I'm also excited to watch Lamar Jackson. I have no idea what the Ravens offense is going to look like. They're going to run the ball a ton. I don't know. It's it's just going to be fun. Um, And the other thing that, you know, I would encourage you to do this fall, enjoy Tom Brady and Drew Brees. You know, we have no idea how much longer they're going to play. This could be the last year Drew Brees ever plays football. And uh, I just, if you get to watch him live, if you get to watch him on TV, whatever it is, just enjoy that moment because you never know how much longer we're going to get to watch Drew Brees play football. And, um, it seems really fun. And the other thing I'm really excited for, obviously, are the young quarterbacks: Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones. Um, I'm I'm curious to watch how they develop and how they what kind of quarterbacks they become. That's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, the Bills and the Jets are going to be fun. This you know young rivalry in division where two quarterbacks from the same draft class, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, are are kind of coming up together in the same state of New York. And they're two teams at very similar moments in their franchises where they have a young quarterback, they're trying to build and trying to get better. And I think we're going to watch a develop a really fun rivalry develop between the Jets and the Bills this year. Um, and I, I'm just so excited, man. I don't know. Uh, Antonio Brown's going to be fun to watch. I, 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 he's been really dramatic all offseason, but at the end of it, he's a really talented wide receiver who can do a lot of incredible stuff. And I wonder if he'll make a big impact for the Raiders. Um, I'm excited to watch the Major League Baseball playoffs. I, I love baseball. People don't understand. Playoff baseball is one of my favorite things in the entire world, and we're going to watch the Astros and the Yankees and the Dodgers. It feels like a three-team race in Major League Baseball for the World Series, and I can't wait to watch those three teams go head-to-head. Um, I'm excited to watch what Ezekiel Elliott does. I have no idea if he's going to hold out for very long. I don't know if he's going to come back. I don't know if I don't know what's going to happen with the Ezekiel Elliott situation with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm sad I'm going to miss it. Um, and it's uh, it's something I, I wish I could cover when it happens because I'm so excited to see what does come to fruition. Um, I'm excited to watch Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Um, he transferred from Alabama. I love this guy. You know, I think he's going to play a bunch and do really well. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm excited to watch Jill Flacco with the Ravens or with the the, the, Bron- the Broncos. I have no idea what's going to happen to him, how he's going to play and what's going on. Um, he's, it feels kind of like he's a placeholder for Drew Locke, but also... I think he really puts the Broncos in a position to win games, and I don't know. It's just going to be fun. And the final thing I'm excited for is a, th- a TV show called D1 – or I guess it's called QB1 Under the Lights. Uh, it came out the other day, and I've just been swamped. I haven't been able to watch it. I'm going to watch it while I'm you know, at night after football practice and probably react to it in November. Um, I just – this whole thing, this whole process feels so rushed. I, uh, I just – I'm not ready to leave. You know, I, I'm excited to play football again. I, I'm going to miss home. I'm going to miss my girlfriend. I'm going to miss everything. Uh, it's been such a interesting summer. I've grown so much as a person. And um, I just, I, I hate taking, a, I love my job. I love my job so much. And I just want to keep doing my job. It feels so bittersweet to take a break, to leave for a while. And uh, it's hard for me. It is to to step away from strong opinion sports. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, I have no idea, you know. I, I've recorded for two hours and fifteen minutes. I don't know how much of this I'm going to put out because I, I think a lot of it sucked, and I just—I I literally didn't sleep last night. I'm not, I'm not even kidding, not even facetious. I just wrote for the show and tried to finish my NFL predictions, and I just feel like a mess, and I feel a headache, and it's ugly, and it sucks. But um, I had to try, you know. I—I love my show. And I had to try it. Um, I'm going to answer a couple of questions for Ask Zach before I leave because I just. Uh, I'm going to miss this. I, uh, I'm going to miss doing strong opinion sports every, you know, every day. And, uh, the break's going to be really hard for me, I think, because I just, this is my baby. It's my heart and soul. I, I've done this for two years continuously. I've never taken a break and, um, it's just, you know, I, I'm not ready to say goodbye. So Thomas wrote in and said, Zach, uh, Hey Zach, love the amazing content on your podcast. My question is, can we get a breakdown analysis if your quarterback play after your season, uh, I want to be very clear, no, um, I'm not doing that. I don't – maybe someday when I graduate and I, I'm older, but not anytime soon. I don't want to talk about my career. My career is – and my, my team's film is public. Is very private. I don't want to give away our plays and break – I don't want to break down, like, what our coverages are and all this stuff, and I just don't – I don't want to get into it. I like my football career being very private, and you can follow me on Instagram if you want, at Zach Shomler if you want to see what that's like, and I do share a couple things there. But I, I like, you know, anonymity a little bit um, in my football career. It's It's my thing um if people want to follow it that's great i also don't want to get in trouble with ncaa i don't want to make content about myself um so maybe maybe someday in like 10 years but i i have no in- interest or no plan to make a quarterback breakdown of myself anytime soon i'm also not a noteworthy quarterback i might not even play like people don't understand i might literally be a backup quarterback i might literally not play at all um and i just uh i don't know i just i i play because it's fun i don't play for the content or for anything uh, i play the game because i enjoy it uh, Jackson wrote and said, "Greetings from Dallas." Zach said, "I enjoy listening to your podcast while I work out. Recent and older, that's cool. I like. I'm glad people listen to my old podcast. I'm really proud of them. You know, they're my my pride and joy." Uh, he said, "I have two questions: one sports related, one non-sports related." Y'all said, I, "You know, I, I really love ask Zach because you're a sensible person who usually gives us a good answer." Smiley face. Um, I'm not going to answer. Actually, I will. So here are the two questions. The first one is this. I'll answer both. He says, "You seem close to everyone in your life. I'm 19 in a family of four, but I look around." and don't feel close to anybody, friends or family. I'm not depressed, but I'm not satisfied. How do you bond with ones you love? How would you suggest or I or anyone wanting to start building long life, lifelong relationships? Um, here, you know, I don't know how to perfectly answer this, but I'll, I'll kind of put my own spin on it. Um, my friends are amazing people. Uh, I, I, I've been very, I've tried hard to pick people who are cooler than me. And smarter than me, and more capable than me. My best friend Nathan's an engineer. My girlfriend's this incredible person. All my best friends are like these just unbelievable people who I look up to. And and I early on, uh, years ago, I was like, hey, Nathan's great. Shelby's awesome. And I, I, I latched on to my best friends, and I was like, I'm not letting these two people leave my life. I just I love them so much. And my best friend Liza's in the military. She's a dentist in the military. Um, I just you know, first of all, find good people and don't let them leave your life. And then if you want to connect with people on a deeper level, hang out with them, you know, <laughs> go on adventures with them, go spend time with them. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I have answered your question well, um, but, you know, if you want to bond with people more, invest in them. You know, it's been hard. My little brother and I, you know, my, my brother is, is trans. Uh, I love my brother Zeke very much. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a trans guy who uh, loves English. And I, I don't, we just don't connect. We have so little in common. I play football. And he, you know, was a band nerd growing up. And uh, I- I've learned that it doesn't really matter if you have interests interest in common. It's reaching out and spending time. And we've, we've tried to really, I've really tried to build a relationship with my brother by just reaching out to him and hanging out with him. Uh, you know, my other one died, so I have one left. And I- I'm doing the very best I can to just um, make sure he knows he's loved and spend time with him. I'm going to answer the second question. I-, I don't know if that made any sense, um, but I-, I really like the question and the idea in general um, and if you want to build a longer your relationship with people, invest in them and spend time with them. That's that's how you do it. If I was building a team, um, I just what I'm gonna answer to this is that because the question is if you're a general manager building a team, how would you do it? He's kind of like mad. I don't want I just would run the ball a lot. Everyone always asks, what kind of offense would you run? I would run the ball a ton. I, I almost went to Utah because I love the fact that they run the ball. Running a ball is so important. Um, you know, throwing the ball matters I play quarterback I, I love the air raid system it'd be fun but um, I also understand that having a balance really matters and being able to run the ball really well also allows you to throw the ball really well and so if I was a, a coach or whatever I would try very hard to run the ball effectively um, something that really matters it, especially young quarterbacks kind of overlook and don't pay attention enough to um, this guy Ben says this, he says hey Zach just a quick message to say I love you I love your show, uh, and damn, am I going to miss it when you're playing through your college football season, but I respect your commitment to your team. Your passion for the show has encouraged me to start blogging about the NFL, and want to let you know how much of a positive impact your podcast has in my life. Anyway, just a quick question for us, Zach. Who do you think will have the best year, individually speaking, of the 2018 draft class? Thanks, man. Keep up the amazing content. Uh, of the 2018 draft class, I'm going to assume this is 2019. I'm going to answer for the 2019. I think that Kyler Murray of the rookie quarterbacks this year um, is going to have the best draft class. And maybe if you mean the quarter of the last year's draft class, you know Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield's going to have the best. You know Baker Mayfield's head and shoulders above all of them. But I think Sam Darnold is poised to have a really good year too. I think Sam Darnold looks far more polished. Um, I did a film analysis of Sam Darnold. I didn't finish it. I I ran out of time. Very sad to me. Um, Sam Darnold made a bunch of mistakes last year though, and he just wasn't. He wasn't quite ready to play quarterback, I don't think, in the NFL. He started week one, which I don't know if he should have done. Um, but he learned you know, trial by fire and made a lot of dumb errors, made a lot of mistakes, and threw horrible interceptions. And the question for Sam Darnold this year is, will he learn from all those qu- problems and all those things he did? Um, I think he will, but that's what I want to see from Sam Darnold. Will he learn lessons from the mistakes he made last year? Um, yeah. Nick wrote in and said, "Nick, with the upcoming NFL se- with the NFL season up coming up soon, fantasy football is starting too. If you plan on playing this year, who is your number one overall pick? Your number one QB? Uh, thanks for taking viewer questions. Additionally, I love how you splice up your podcast into clips. I never know I would have started watching if they were ninety minutes long. Um, I-, I know I never would have started watching if they were ninety minutes long, even though I watch the whole thing uh, nowadays. Keep up the great work, so Nick. I- I'm glad I do the breakouts too. That's why I do them. They bring in new viewers, and then hopefully people stay for the whole show." Uh, it's encouraging you said that you did. Um, I actually don't play fantasy football. I, I, it, look, if people like fantasy football, great for them. Uh, I don't enjoy fantasy football. It's not my thing. It's not a passion of mine. It has no interest to me at all. Uh, it sounds like a lot of work that I don't want to do, and I'm not I'm not very social. I'm kind of an introvert who doesn't like people that much, so um, the thought of dealing with other people and trying to play fantasy football, that sounds like a pain in the butt, and I have no interest in that. Um, but you know, if you enjoy fantasy football, maybe, good for you. It's happy. I'm happy for you. Uh, I just know how I want to spend my time and uh, I've never had any interest in fantasy football. It's kind of a problem actually, because fantasy football people often reach out to me and want me to make content for them or want me to sponsor me and all stuff. And I, I just, I don't play fantasy football. It's something I feel kind of weird about. I've always felt kind of weird about that, but it's straight up something I just don't have any interest in at all. Um, no, wrote in and said, Noah said outside of sports and your podcast, what other things do you find interesting? Um, I love, I want to, to talk, I've talked about this forever. Uh, you know, movies are my favorite thing. Movies, video games, and music are my, like, my three. I, j- I love stories, just period. Um, but movies are like my favorite, you know, like, my favorite movie, my two favorite movies of all time. You're going to laugh at me. Everyone's going to laugh. It's the most unathletic and jock douche football thing ever to say. I love this movie called La La Land. It's literally a musical. Uh, I sing the music all the time. I, I love this stupid movie. Um, it's got, uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. And it's just the coolest story of two people chasing a dream. And then it's honest and real at the end. And it makes me cry every time. I, I love this movie, La La Land. And then my second favorite movie is Star Trek, 2009 Star Trek, uh, with Chris Pine. And J- it's made by JJ Abrams. I can watch, I've watched that movie three times in one day, one time. I just, I'm the kind of person that when I find something I like, I just love the heck out of it. Like Reach Lost or my favorite artist is John Bellion. Um, I just man there are a couple things I'm like that's my thing and I love it with everything I have um I also love video games I never play them anymore I don't have time I don't even have time to take care of myself I, I yeah you know, I just I feel so overwhelmed all the time with I don't have time for anything but someday I want to take a vacation and just play like The Witcher 3 or you know I, I have all these dreams I have so many video games I bought over the years that I've never touched any of them because I, when I was a list as a kid I had a giant list of games and I uh I just I, I wanted to get every game on the list, and I did when I got a job with ESPN. I bought a ton of video games, and um, I have every game on the list, but I never played any of them. And it's really sad to me. Um, Dominic wrote in a, a couple of, so Jane, Max, and Dominic all asked very similar questions. So I wanted to acknowledge them. Uh, I'm going to read probably Dominic's, but they're all related to the same thing. Dominic says, Hey, Zach, you're one of my favorite content creators. And I'm so glad I can support you through Patreon. My question is, what is your opinion on the NCAA's rules around players not being able to accept deals and sponsorships from outside companies? Um, I did a whole podcast about this with a guy who goes to Cal. He's a Division One athlete. He's an expert kind of around the world of um, should payers be played. It's, it's major. He's getting a master's degree at University of Cal about this. Um, but I, I don't understand why student-athletes can't make sponsorship money. It doesn't make any sense to me. I get, don't pay them. They're not, they're not employees, whatever. But if a company wants to sponsor a post on your Instagram, they should be able to to do that. I think at the very least, and it doesn't make sense to me that they can't. The only thing I can argue is that maybe it's, <clears throat> would give people an unfair advantage in recruiting. I honestly have no idea. Um, <clears throat> very, very just bizarre to me. Uh, Jack wrote in and said, and by the way, that, the the podcast I did with this guy named Andrew Cooper, he came on a podcast. I'm releasing it later, you know, eventually. Um, he uh, we talk all about how to pay the players, and it's, it's a better answer there. I probably didn't answer that very well, but yeah, they should be. A, I think they should be paid. Period. Well, they should definitely be able to get endorsement money. Uh, it makes no sense that they can't. Um, Jack wrote in and said, "Hey Zach, question for me: Do you think the Patriots or the Chiefs will be better this season, and why?" Ah, uh, the Patriots are gonna be better this year because they have, they got better. Ah, uh, the the Chiefs didn't really improve; they kind of stayed the same. They they traded out some players and brought in some players. The Patriots flat out just got better all around. Um, and, and I kind of can't believe how overpowered the Patriots are. It's like, you know, they got Josh Gordon back. They have two great receivers. I just am so excited to watch the Patriots offense this year. Um, it's gonna be a blast, man. I don't know. I I, I am so excited to to watch their offense uh alon i I think it's a-l-o-n alon i believe he he writes in a lot i really appreciate him he's one of my biggest supporters he wrote and said i think justin herbert will be the next johnny Manziel. he's a a one read qb what do you think of him zach i think you're dead wrong uh justin herbert i watched him live last year i worked for espn college game day at washington state university i was on the sideline for oregon washington state um he's an nfl quarterback man justin herbert's a really high level guy i can't believe he didn't leave last year um He's super accurate. Like has like Johnny Manziel didn't have NFL arm strength. He didn't have an NFL ability to throw the football. Justin Herbert works all the way through his reads. Gets to a third and fourth progression. He's got great arm strength. Uh, he's really accurate. Uh, Justin Herbert is not comparable to Johnny Manziel at all. No offense, anyone, but you're kind of really being disrespectful by even bringing that up because he's just they're so far from each other. Uh, not just off the field, but like the way they play football. Justin, Her- Justin Herbert's a legitimate quarterback. Um, and and Johnny Manziel really wasn't. He was kind of a backyard BS kind of guy. Um, So I think it's kind of an unfair question. Uh, Unfair, I I don't know. I I just, I would not compare him to Johnny Manziel at all. Uh, I think Justin Herbert's legitimately a really good quarterback who's going to be a top pick in the NFL draft, and deservedly so. Um, Hmm. Well, we have one more. I want to do one more. Uh, There's so many questions. I... I just wish I had more time. I just ran out of time. It sucks. It makes me so sad. Um, yeah. So what we're gonna do? I'm gonna do one last question it's from Lawrence. Um, I actually read this question, and it made me cry. I was in bed with my girlfriend, and I read her the question, and it was, I was explaining my answer to her. And it just uh, it got me. It's from Lawrence. Lawrence wrote wrote in and said uh, <clears throat> said hi Zach. Lawrence back again for another question. <laughs> I always think back to when I was a kid and try to pinpoint the moment I truly fell in love with the game of football. Some fall in love as an adult, some fall in love on the field. For me, I played from the ages 8 to 18 years old. But the moment I just remember was falling in love back in 2001. I was 10. It was my beloved New England Patriots versus John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders. The Tuck Rule game, which was the right call. Sorry, Gruden, (laughs) In, in parentheses. But it was a blizzard in Boston that night. I remembered just wondering how anybody could play in such weather. Watching the young, unproven Tom Brady march down the field to get in range for a 45-yard field goal by Adam Vinatieri to win in the snow was it true, Was what truly got me hooked. So my question is for you, what moment in life was the moment you truly fell in love with a game of football? Uh, there's three moments, man, that I... I uh, and, you know, they all have to do with my little brother. My little brother Zane and I, we played football every day, you know, and I would... I would I'll get into it in a minute. So, first of all, my my first image of football with my little brother Zane uh, who died you know, 3 years ago <sighs> was uh we're in our backyard and we'd stand on either side of our backyard and and you know fe- our fe- back defenses facing each other. We're in jeans and and full shirts and it's just muddy and raining. And uh if you ever watched like a Campbell's commercial where they're playing football in the Campbell's commercials and they're just covered in mud, it was like that. And my brother and I, one of us would hold the football, and we would just run at each other full speed and tackle each other as hard as we could, and just get covered in mud. And we do it for hours. And um, we were like ten to twelve, and we just did that all day, all night. Got covered in mud. It was my favorite thing. I, I loved it. And then we would play catch eventually. And um, and that leads me to my second point, which is, uh, you know, my, my senior year uh, homecoming game. Actually, you know, it's funny. My my girlfriend, at, you know, my girlfriend right now. Uh, that I'm dating was actually she was named Homecoming Queen at that game, but it was her homecoming game my senior year, and um, uh, it started pouring rain really, really, really hard. And uh, my brother looked at me, and he goes, "Zach, you're gonna throw a touchdown." And uh, I was like, I was like, well, "Why? What do you mean? Why now?" He goes, "Zach, because every day, every time it rained, our entire lives, you would force me to go outside and play catch with you, and you would always tell me that." We play football in the Pacific Northwest where it rains all the time. And you got to be able to throw the ball in the rain. And And he did. My whole life, anytime it would rain, I would force him to go outside with me and force him to play catch with me because um, I wanted to know, you know, be able to throw in the rain. And that's exactly what happened. And so um, my brother tells me that. I go in the game and a, two plays later, I throw a touchdown, a 36-yard touchdown in the pouring rain, like cats and dogs raining sideways. I threw a touchdown in the rain. And uh, I go to the sideline and just... I just gave my brother the biggest hug. It it was just so fun. I just, it was, I don't know. It was so cool. I just, uh, I don't know. It was awesome. And that, that, the third moment is this. Um, you know, I, for a long time, I fell out of love with the game of football. I really struggled to listen to it and enjoy it. And, and I, I, dro- I dropped out of college and quit football. I, I was a loser who was mad at football and I felt rejected and it didn't deal with all my pain. And, I remember one time, you know, when the, the Seahawks won the Super Bowl, you know, over the the uh, Broncos, I fell asleep because I didn't care. And uh, for me, it was watching Tom Brady come back from a Super Bowl. He was down twenty eight to three at halftime, and coming back to win that game was so cool to me. I, that's the game that reinvigorated my love of football. I actually made a video about it years ago, called like the Falcons. the The, the, the Falcons didn't choke or something. The Falcons didn't choke. I think that's what it's called. But it's about how, like, did the did the Falcons lose or did the Patriots win? And I made a whole video. It was, like, 15 minutes. I got, like, 250,000 views on YouTube. It was my first video ever that really got any acknowledgement on my personal YouTube channel. I deleted it now. You can't even find it. Um, but that whole experience watching Tom Brady win in that moment was just so cool to me. Um, I don't know. I just loved it. I just loved it so much. Um, I guess, you know... <coughs> I guess this is it. I guess we're done, aren't we? I got to kind of wind down. Um, If you don't know, uh, I'm I'm going away. Uh, I'm not making any more content until Thanksgiving. I play college football. Uh, I start training camp tomorrow morning. Uh, Today's August 18th. Tomorrow is uh, August 20th. August 20th is our report date. And uh, I'm not making any content for my college football season from August 20th until Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to release a little bit of content. I have some stuff pre-recorded and it's... uh, uh, already ready, scheduled to upload, but um, I guess I'll, I'll release this last. So this will be the last thing you'll see for a long time. Um, I just want to prepare everybody. You know, it, it's a I I don't like leaving my show. It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me really sad. I don't want to walk away from Strong Opinion Sports. I, I I've made this show every day for two years, over two years now, uh, and it's really hard to take a break. And it's going to be difficult. Um, I think it's a it, a lot of people send me messages that it's going to stop my, my growth and it's going to ruin my channel and all the stuff. And to me, I look at it as <clears throat> a short-term gain, you know, short-term pain for a long-term gain. Um, you know, it, in, in the 20-year span of Strong Opinion Sports, me playing college football is going to make my show better. And, you know, I could drop out of college now and I could not play college football and just focus on Strong Opinion Sports. But then I would never have the stories and the memories and the examples and all the stuff and all the lessons I'm going to learn from playing college football. And so I think it's very valuable to go play college football, especially as a broadcaster. And so I'm going to take a break from the show for two months. And uh, it's a little over two months, two and a half months, roughly. <clears throat> but I'll be back at the end of November when Thanksgiving uh, break hits. That's when our season ends. Um, and, you know, I just want to prepare everybody. I might not be the starting quarterback in my college. I might be a backup. I might never play. Um, I'm I'm comfortable with that. But in case you don't understand, I literally might not play. And I'm I'm very okay with that. Um, I'm going to learn a lot about the game of football. I'm going to have fun. And for me, that's worth it. Um, I'm not going to make any videos while I play football. I, I just, you know, everyone's like, why don't you make a vlog? Why don't you, I hate those kind of videos. I really think they suck. Um, I think it's very disrespectful to your team to be filming in the locker room before a football game. You should be focused on, especially at quarterback. There's a guy at a different college. I'm not going to say his name who he just is, He plays quarterback and he's like, are you focused on playing football or are you just trying to make YouTube videos? I get the sense that he's not focused on football at all. And it's just borderline, you know, it's distracting and borderline disrespectful to his teammates and his program and everything. And I hate that stuff and I'm not going to do that. Um, Now, many people keep suggesting that I make a backlog of content and release it uh, while I'm gone over the next couple months. And it's not possible. I don't think people understand, you know. Um, I, I appreciate the thought. I'm glad people want my content. Um, but my show, you know, there's a couple of reasons. My show is built around relevance. I always talk about the news and what's going on. That's why I try to get it out as quickly as I possibly can. Um, and you know, not everything and not everything, you can go back and watch my Johnny analysis, video, Johnny Manziel analysis video, and that'll always still be good, but I, I don't want to make content. Uh, I, I like making timely content that's related to the news. The other problem is this. I don't have time to make a bunch of content. Like making three months of content would just cut into what I'm making now. And I I just don't have any time. And um, it's just not a realistic expectation for my show. The people that want me to make content and release it later. Um, It's hard enough to find time to make the episodes I'm already making. Um, I'm not trying to complain. I'm just trying to explain what's going on in my life. Um, I'm really, I'm sad. I I love my show. I've never taken a break from the show, Um, but I do think I'm doing the right thing. I'm very convicted that I'm doing the right thing by taking a break and, Um, I'm a mess right now. Like I, I, I'm moving and I am, I'm like all this stuff you see, this, this mic, everything behind me, it's got all got to go by tomorrow morning. I got to clean it all up and get going. And and I'm kind of stressed about moving and it's a lot for me. And, um, but I do want to communicate that I'm I'm taking a break from the show and I'm not going to be making any content for three months and I'll be back in November. And I hope you're still here in November. And I hope you want to hear my opinions. And, um, I'm going to have a lot to say. When when that time comes, and I'm gonna miss doing the show, uh, it's it's very hard for me. Uh, I'm kind of a workaholic, and uh, my my family all gives me crap for it. And I, as much as I'm excited to play football, I'm really not excited to to walk away from SOS for any amount of time. And uh, it's gonna be hard. It is it feels like I'm breaking up with a girl or something. I, I'm gonna miss the show, but I'll be back. I will be back in two months. Um, but I just want to give you a fair warning. Look, again, I might not play. I literally might be a backup. I might be the sixth string quarterback at my school. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm just going to show up and have a good attitude and do, very, do the very best I can. And um, I just, uh, I just wanted to communicate to you guys. I love you guys so much. I'm so grateful. If you support me on Patreon and you want to take a break, I'm not going to be making any content for three months. If you want to just unsubscribe for three months, I don't blame you at all. If you want to give me a dollar a month, you know that would be great. It would pay for my bills. Um, well, I'm not making any content. That'd be awesome. But hey. I, I'm not going to be making any content. I, I won't be able to make any Ask Zachs or anything um, while I'm gone. So if you support me on Patreon for Ask Zach and are mad you're not getting it, feel free to unsubscribe to me. I won't be mad at you. Um, I'll be back in you know Thanksgiving and you can resubscribe if you want. Um, it's so hard. It's so hard to take a break. It's so hard to walk away. Um, I'm excited for football. I love my school. I love the people I'm with. But um, man, it's so hard to to walk away from strong opinion sports. And so, so I want to say thank you so much. I want to communicate what's going on. I'm just rambling now. I think it's because I don't want to hit end on the record button. Um, but guys, thank you so much. My name is Zach Shamla. I really appreciate you. And uh, have a great day. Bye.